This is Greg Pak. You are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Intercontinental woohoo this week. <laughs> That's the only reason why people want to be a guest on the show. They just want to hear it live and in person. That's right. We should sing, we should sing like, Dap across the water. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You made it funny. So you're done for the night now. I know. I, I made a no. I made one this afternoon on the Facebook, and nobody got it. I think. Wait, no. I think I did. I just couldn't respond to it. Which one was it? The image I put up of Thelma from from Good Time. Oh, I think you meant on Messenger, but yeah, no. Okay. No, no. Nobody got it. People commented on, yeah, Thelma's Thelma's hot, but they didn't really get the gist of what I was getting at. But that's okay. Obviously, the joke was not a good one. It was a picture of Thelma from Good Times and a picture of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, who was played by Louise Lasser. And I was going for Thelma and Louise, but nobody, nobody picked up on it. I mean, you also used used images from, uh, you know, entertainment that people, people who follow you on Facebook probably weren't alive to watch. Yeah, they were born yeah. there. So yeah, and uh, Thelma's giving her the old, what you talk about, uh, uh-huh. face? Yep. Oh, well, nothing ventured. <laughs> it's been a hell of a week so far. It's only Wednesday. A lot of faux outrage. Oh, I know, a lot yeah. of crazy outrage, yeah. Capital faux. Like, folked up. I, I don't know. I'm a little bit sad that people get worked up over stuff like that. Life's too short, man. Seriously. Yeah, especially when it does nothing but reinforce what a crazy badass the character in question is. It just doesn't make sense to me. Whatever. Yeah, people be crazy. We could talk about it if you want to. Because this, ladies and gentlemen, is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 360. Damn. Uh, yes, and I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Yes, you are. And I'm Henry the Eighth. I am Henry the Eighth. I am. I am. <laughs> I don't... See, Perfect. Instead of dap across the water, we have a big old stinky... Turns across the water. What did I do to piss you off today? <laughs> you weren't on Facebook, bro. Seriously, bro. let me Damn. hang. No, you're not. You, you are not bad English accent, man. You <laughs> are Jason Wood, everybody, in the house. And get this, we have not one, but two very special guests this week. The first, you've seen his work on the awesome King's Watch for Dynamite. Okay. All, all new invaders, and oh, my heart is beating with joy. Planet Hulk, the uh, Secret Wars Planet Hulk, soon to be released. Mr. Mark Lamming is here with us this week. Hey. Yay. And if you've ever been in Mr. Lamming's uh, physical presence, this man is usually within earshot. <laughs> he is an awesome fellow. We became great friends when we met him at a couple cons back. And we, we love to talk with him and just be around him because he's all kinds of goodness. Mr. Anthony Esmond is with us this week. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's great well, to be here. Thank you for yeah. being here. British nice. invasion, y'all. <laughs> there is a new British invasion going on that we may not be aware of. A lot of great British uh, writers and artists are uh, populating the, uh, especially the Marvel stuff, Are you reading stuff, Old right? Amazing Heroes again? 
Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Actually, I am. Right. Like, there's this guy, Alan Moore. Right? He's on the he's lookout. He's wonderful. <laughs> yes. So, um, I have absolutely no segue, but <laughs> if you, if you want to get cheap comics, I'm sorry. No segue is still a segue. It's true. Getty Lee. Uh, if you want to get cheap comics, all you have to do is fire up your internet browsing device and head on over to DCBService.com. That's DCBService.com where you can find your favorite funny books and collectibles at huge discounts, such as from the aforementioned Dynamite, written by Mr. Matt Wagner and art by Wilfredo Torres. It's the Shadow Year One Omnibus, big old thick book. Cover price is twenty nine ninety nine. You get it for half off. That's only fourteen dollars and ninety nine cent. From Oni, the awesome team of Rick Spears and James Callahan are taking another ride on the auteur train. This time it's called Sister Bambi. I believe it's a five or four issue miniseries. Doesn't make a difference. You're going to get them all anyway. Regular price of issue number one is three ninety nine. You can get it for half that, a dollar ninety nine cent. And last but not least, we've been pushing this forever, and rightly so, because it is a masterwork, I think. Written by Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent, art by Paolo Rivera. It is The Valiant, from Valiant. Uh, the cover price of this uh, collected edition is $9.99, which is very, very respectable. But if you act now, you can get the entire collection, issues one to four, plus background stuff, I'm sure, and covers and all that stuff, for a dollar more than you would pay for a single issue. Four dollars and ninety-nine cents. Crazy talk, I say. DCBService.com. Go there to get your comics for not a whole lot of money. It's a bit clunky, but it's the truth. Yes, Absolute truth. Yeah. Well done. I thank you. What are we drinking? What are we drinking, Vince? Well, mm. I'm drinking the Pepe Mac. Mm. I've been away for a while. Yeah, and I just cork. I just, yeah, I keep it, I like to cork it to get all fancy, and I drink it with my pinky. Oh, you know, um, we we went to the, sh- the shop and came back with 12 or 16 uh, bottles of this stuff, so yay. Yay. It is so good. I'll take your word for it. Oh, man. What about you, Jason? Well, I stepped up to the plate, at least one of us did. Thank God. Uh, I am drinking uh, Mr. Francis Coppola's Diamond Collection Cabernet Sauvignon. No. Nice. Excellent. And our fine guests. Oh, you want to be good call, good call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's super late here, and um, I've got to drive back from Tony's. Um, I'm just on tea. That's yeah, sorry about that. I'm the Simon Coffee. Um, it's like one, almost half one here. So uh, yeah, that's the oh, show, folks. Everyone, I hope you had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you hear the sacrifice these gentlemen are making for our show? This episode, that is awesome. That is well, I, I thank we thank them off air, but we got to thank them again. Thank you for doing this because we That's a we, we record at um, nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time, which is much later in their neck of the woods. So we we really appreciate the uh, the effort. This did is you, the did you let them know that we were willing to do a six p.m. recording, or did you not tell them that? Nobody told me that. Oh, I see. You just didn't want to, did you, Vince? I get it. Dude, you can't get here for nine. You're going to get here for six. So <laughs> three. Come on. <laughs> so trying to I'll pin it on I me. That's true. Yeah, blame the hunchback. Responsibilities, man. Uh, <sighs> oh, to me. Uh, my um, 
my drink ties into a little bit of a thank you. Uh, this is actually very, um, it's, it's almost a, uh, in honor of type event because at, uh, last New York Comic Con last October, uh, we, we ended up at, at a bar, at a, at a pub, which I have since just called Jason's pub because whenever we left Javits, we seem to always end up at this place. Right. Uh, but, uh, one night, I think, was it Friday night or Saturday night? Friday night. Saturday night. We went, no, no, I'm sorry. It was Friday night. Oh my so God. So we went to the image party. It was Friday night. Shut up. So, Ping pong. Uh, it was, uh, one of the nights after the con, we went to, uh, to the pub. We had, um, we had dinner with Mark and Tony, uh, and, and Mark's table mate, whose name escapes me at the moment. That's Brian Van. Uh, Brian, thank you. Yes, Brian, and yeah. uh, and Brian's friend. So, and we were also sitting with Mr. Tony. Tony. Uh, and uh, Tony was kind enough to uh, send me and and Jason a yes. uh, a bottle of uh, Villicana, uh estate grown winemakers uh, cuvee from Paso Robles, and it's uh, it is a a very Nice red wine. It it's it's a little different than what I'm used to, I guess. But it is. Uh, In what way? It it lingers a little bit more. Okay. And, good mouthfeel then. Yes. It, no, it does. It definitely has the good mouthfeel. I have. Uh, I, I enjoy that. It's um, but it uh, <laughs> it and it's it's not sweet at all, which is also fine. So it is. Uh, but it is it's damn tasty. I really like the label. Uh, but uh, I do want to thank Tony and Shannon for being kind enough to. Send a bottle, and that is, of course, my uh, my drink for tonight. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I got to give them a thanks too because they did, as David say, send me a bottle as well. And um, I think it's great that you decided to do it for the show because it's apropos. I've decided, decided to save mine in honor of the fact that they were on their honeymoon until I'm ready to make sweet love to my wife. So uh, I'm ready to make sweet love to your wife. You can have some of the wine then. Come over right. and have some of the wine. Hey, <laughs> I'll have it on her. Do you have to wait for Shannon and Tony to be in the states to have sex with your wife, or just no, no, no? I'm, 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 I'm I may open, I, it, I may open it after we're done, depending how long we go or, here, folks. Okay, <laughs> stay tuned. Is that the code word? Open it. Come <laughs> on, yeah, let's go open it. Let's go. She got her haircut today too. She's looking good. Uh, oh, stop. Fix <laughs> her. Didn't happen. All right, let's talk about some comics, specifically, Mister Lamming. Yes, we are. We are going to um, go page by page uh, on the um, Secret Wars Planet Hulk, if you'd be so kind. <laughs> we cleared it with your editors, Mark. We talked to them. You, you have a special yeah, dispensation for the show. They, they I'd heard, we, and they also said that I could tell you exactly what happens after yes. Secret Wars and, you know, all those books that are being um, you know, put out after then. Well, we were and asked. We should, break, we should break the news. We were asked. This is news. We're breaking this. Uh, we've actually been asked to be the 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 on assignment embedded uh, mm-hmm. media for the next Marvel retreat, so we have total clearance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, page one, panel one, <clears throat> go. Devil dinosaur <laughs> end. Yeah. I think it's amazing that that um, you're working on Planet Hulk, uh, not only because I love your stuff, but because when you put you plus Planet Hulk, that just equals goodness yeah, to me. Sure. Pure pure comic book goodness and when we look back and we see how fast your star has has risen it's incredible i think anyway young gun young gun mark lamb i I cannot believe um 
when I, I, I stopped teaching three years ago, I was expecting to just truck along, do the odd project here and there, and keep up my illustration work. And if I'd known how busy I was going to be when I quit teaching, I don't know if I'd have done it. <laughs> oh, I, I envy your life. I want that life. Oh, you, you'll be that, Vince. Yeah, <laughs> keep at it. Ser- no, no, seriously, there, there, there's hope for us old, old gits. There really oh, is. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because we're, we're around the same age. Yeah. So I was, ho- I was hoping we'd get into some, some vintage comic talk tonight. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Let's do it. Now, now, uh, Tony, are you the, uh, fly on the wall when he's working on this stuff? Have you seen him in the process? Uh, a little tiny bit. Yeah. He doesn't, uh, I can't officially say that he ever shares anything with me. If you see what I'm saying, but uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen the odd thing. Yeah, I might admit to that. Yeah, no, it's, well, it's looking amazing. Yeah, see, that's a valued employee that he knows the ins and outs of the Secret War stuff, and he's not divulging even to his his wonderful friends. <laughs> that's because yeah. we don't get the exchange rate right. I mean, if we knew what dollars to pounds were, I think I think we'd have Tony on our side. Yeah. True. There's there's a few language problems, you know. Uh, I've seen I've seen the odd bit, yeah, I have, yeah, um, yeah. It's since since Mark keeps your hours, the uh, the the occasional missed phone call, you know what I mean, of excitement from him. Um, but yeah, mm. no, it's looking it's looking incredible, I have to say. Even he, even though he's standing near me, I have to admit that, yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah, he normally just throws dung at me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or uh, his own, or he runs out to the yard. Oh, yeah. oh, it's always his own. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or women in green body paint, obviously. We <laughs> <laughs> did did, uh, did either of you gentlemen go to the London Super Comic Con? We did. We did. We did. We did we had a, an absolutely cracking time. Yeah, very good it was. Yeah, yeah. What Has it mean? gotten progressively larger and, and, and this, you know, that sort of thing? I mean, is it, is it getting bigger and bigger? It has. And they have, they've got great guests as well. Um, and it's 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 really well run now. When it started off, it was a little bit flaky, but now it's uh, it's really up there. It's sort of one, first or second best convention in the UK now. Definitely, we had wow. an absolute scream. Yeah, really good. Yeah, it was it was a really really good show. Great guests. Uh, uh, it's it's the closest we have to a US show. Yeah, it really so, is. Isn't it? So yeah. I mean, how does it? So for since you've been a lot of US shows, and that's all we know, how does it? How would you say it's it's different? How would the typical con in the UK differ then from like a US show? Like what makes it what makes it different, or what makes this one more like a US show? Well, the UK it's, it's had a quite a good history of uh, conventions over the years, but they sort of took a nosedive, um, and Bristol was the only one for quite a few years. Okay, um, but that sort of went very small press for a while, and the UK conventions kind of went either small press or movie guest, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I think London sort of grasped it and sort of thought, well, no, we need a you know a big professional comic show, and they've and they've got guests in from the states. The first year was was it. Mark, was it Stan Lee was the first year, wasn't it? Yeah, he was on the first yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then start small. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I almost didn't say that because I knew you knew you were saying that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and, and they sort of built it from there. And we get Sinkovich was there this year. Uh, Neil Adams, you know, there, there was a lot of good a lot of good people there. Jonathan yeah. Ross, who's a bit of a TV guy over here. He, yeah, he, he writes sure, sure. There. Yeah, John Romita um, Jr. was there, and Klausy Anson, David Mack. You know. It, it, Oh, Dave oh. Wachter as well. Dave Wachter was yes, there. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, Wachter I saw Wachter. that. Yeah. 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 First time out of the States, he tells us as well. And it is is that right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what a smashing guy he is as well. Oh, Dave's awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And he's been taking one pictures of, the... of London non-stop, I think, and just posting them on Facebook <laughs> for a couple of days. So, yeah. You know, speaking of the Facebook, I I saw where someone posted uh, Neil Adams at his booth. It was Matt, wasn't it? I think it was Matt Burden, wasn't it? Yes, it was. R- yes, Bar, yes. Yeah. And and uh, God love him, Mr. Adams was charging twenty pound mm. just to just to sign something. And I I, I know the exchange. That's a, that's like twenty. Plus dollars just to have the man sign something, and I love Neil Adams. It's just like but... thirty odd dollars, almost. I think probably. Yeah. It... yeah. Wow. Yeah. Stupid me. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you got to give it to Mr. Adams though. He had his uh, signage was all in British pounds. <laughs> so the man is the, the man is prepared. Yeah. But... yeah. Oh yeah, he's a one man money making machine at those conventions. He really is. <laughs> I mean, I think the first time I saw that was at San Diego back in the early 2000s. So it's like, mm-hmm. you really have got this down, haven't you? Now, as an original art wonk, I've always wanted to go out to European shows, particularly Luca and Angoulême, because I always hear about how it's European tradition for artists to draw gratis, you know, the, the, the idea of yeah, paying. Yeah. So yeah. my question is, in a show like this where it is more American, lots of American guests, was it more like they were charging for their work? And, and B, is that also becoming more of the norm as more and more European artists do work for, for U.S., you know, big two stuff? And they kind of say, well, should I should be charging for my work, too? I mean, is that happening more and more um, on the yeah, European side? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, not not in Europe, but in the U.K. Okay. It, it's still very much that when you get a book signed in, in Europe, you get a dedication, where which means somebody will do a fairly nice sort of headshot for you. Mm-hmm. You know what what we would pay for as as a headshot commission, you know, and they expect, um, you know, as an audience member at the convention that you you expect sort of ten fifteen minutes with the guy to talk to them, if you get a dedication in your book. Um, but over over in the UK, it's um it's pretty much the same as as the US. You know, prices were pretty similar. And I think because we're getting more and more U.S. guests, you're also getting those sorts of prices being asked for. Right. Yeah. I, I, incidentally, Luke is worth a visit. I went there a couple of years ago. Incredible, incredible place. Yeah. Yeah. Really I mean, I, I would love yeah. to go to – I mean, you guys – I after last year, I thought it would be great to try and make a trip in the next year or two to Thought Bubble because I heard a lot yeah. of good things about that. Oh, right, that, that's but, a great show. Yeah, and uh, and bring the family, and and definitely Luca and Angela. I mean, in the in the grand scheme of 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 things, I'd love to see all three at least once in in our in our, my life before so I'm. I would suggest if you, I would suggest if you come to Thought Bubble, um, you don't bring the family because it's a heavy drinking convention. That one. Yeah, uh, so, simple note. Yeah, simple bring, note. Bring an extra liver liver sort of thing. You know, it's like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a big one. Excellent. Or, or leave the fa- the family in London to enjoy themselves while you're at. Well, Thought right. Bubble. I mean, they, they would have zero interest in actually attending the con. Just uh, so that would be the kit plan. But yeah, no, that's cool. All right. Well, we'll have to uh, let's 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 get some more sponsorship money, boys, and then let's head to <laughs> head to the UK tour next year. Make that happen. I would go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're all welcome. Come over. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Nice. Yeah, London was great. London's worth a visit. But you'll get the capital city as well as part of your trip as well. You know, it is good. It's well worth a visit. Yeah, for sure. All right, Vince, you were talking about vintage comics. What, what do you want to bring it? What do you want to bring? Oh, boy. Do you want really want me to go first? Well, I thought you were said you wanted to talk about some old school comics. Were you just throwing that I, out there or did you? I, I have um, an investigation of an old school series, but it's kind of deep. So I was want to save it for at least the second half of the oh, show. Oh, the second act. All right. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but um, let's talk about Mr. Lamming's uh, what he calls sketches. <laughs> which are really, which are really full on commissions. 
Right. <laughs> and uh, the the thing that really perked up um, my interest is to see him working on these things. Um, not to slight other guys, you know, they, 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 they do put the time and effort into it, but Mark is always working. Whenever we go to, to his, his table, whenever he's at a show, he's always head down, just blistering, working on the, on, That's on, cause I'm on, so damn slow, man. That's what it no, is. no, no, it's not slow. It's methodical and precise. That's what you have to say. Uh, I, I think it's amazing, not only the, the, the quality of work that you do at shows, but the quantity. Like you, you'll do more at a show than I could ever produce in a month. I, I seem to have, have, have started producing less at shows, but I think that's because I'm talking more. Um, well, that's a good and, thing. Too. And I made a, a, a conscious effort in New York last year to take most of the com- uh, commissions on in advance. So they were, they were all done before I got to the show because the first New York was great, but I just remember showing people the top of my head for most of the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's nice to get up and move from the table and go and see all these nice people that you, you mean to go and see. Right. Uh, was that first show when you were next to Rachel Deering? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ah, right. That's, I think that's when we, that's when we first Absolutely. met you. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. indeed. It was a good show. It was a good show. That was a really good show for me, I think. You know, it was, it was just really, you know, it was the right time to go over and, and get my work in front of people and for them to be able to put a, a face to the name as well. So, you know, in, in terms of, of um, profile, it was really worthwhile doing. Mm-hmm. Now, you were one of the, the people behind the, the, the relaunch of the uh, King Features uh, characters at Dynamite with King's Watch. I was. Yes, which was amazing, but I, I, I want your opinion. Have you read any of the, the recent miniseries, capitalizing on your series? And B, what do you think? Yeah, I really like them. I really enjoyed Mandrake, um, just because there was so much stuff that we, we built in, especially in that first issue for him, where, where there was like tons of room to go. And, and I think that's, that's really cool. I really like the Phantom, um, Flash Gordon's a difficult one because, you know, you're coming off the back of, of Jeff and, um, and Evan's run, which was just, yeah, Doc super, Shaner, you mean? Super, yeah. yeah, it was just yeah. superb. You know, it just made me sick every time I see a page of, from Evan because it's just so good. Um, but I mean, Lee's doing a great job in, on the book, but uh, I've yet to really, you know, with one issue, see where they're going story wise with it. Um, but I've really enjoyed them so far, the ones I've seen. Yeah, I thought it a bit strange that they would make Mongo the, the central, um, like the pivot around which all the miniseries revolved. But in, in, now that I think about it, I think that's a very good idea because it unifies them. Yeah, oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, I, originally, King's Watch was going to be what came after the miniseries. Um, I, I, the story was going to be, uh, you know, it was going to be that there'd be the five miniseries, four or five miniseries, which would end up in a, in a in an event called King's Watch, and then it was decided that that would then be the thing that launched it instead. So it may seem arse about backwards, but that that was kind of the way it was meant. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, um, there really needs to be no introduction to Ming. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It should just be a threat. 
Yeah, Ming is, it's like saying Darth Vader, Ming the Merciless. Okay, we get it. We, you don't have to go too deep into that. And so, uh, yeah, I think in, in hindsight, that was a very good choice. But I'm with you. I think all the miniseries have been, have been really, uh, solid so far, um, with, uh, the Phantom and Mandrake being pretty much at the top. And I did like Jungle Jim a lot too. Uh, that's, so, that's still sitting on my pile waiting to be read. I, I've only picked that up a couple of weeks ago, but it's a, it's a different approach than the other ones. Uh, it, it's a more loose, more fluid, um, uh, art style, but it works as opposed to Mandrake, which I thought I was looking at it. Wow. This is very cartoony, but it works as well. Yeah. I thought, so, I thought it was completely, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like Rogers drawing it himself. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, so, I, I, I thought that was terrific. I mean, I, I, I sort of fell in love a bit with Mandrake while we were doing the book. It was, he was the character I wasn't looking forward to drawing. And then it was like, oh no, he's the most fun. <laughs> yeah, it was, wow. it was him and Zarkov that were the most fun because you had Zarkov who was just like a ridiculous drunk and, um, you know, completely sposh What are you used magician. for your bottle sheet and cough cough? <laughs> <laughs> but very impressive work coming out of Dynamite, which is, is, is awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, they've been producing some great work over the last few years. I, I think, you know, it's really nice to see that they're, they're kind of kicking off um, some of the bad name that they've got for themselves at one point. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, Vince, you're dancing around the issue, but I think you could say in a less politically correct way, which is that I think one of the reasons that Dynamite is starting to get stuff right is that they've, they've, I think, changed the, at least from my perception, they've changed their emphasis of, of, of the quality of artists that they put on the book. I agree. They, they have either, I, well, again, I don't know if they're paying more. I don't know if they have a new art director or just if it, or if it's luck, but it seems to me like, again, you know, Mark and, and Doc and then people like Brent more recently, like they're finding really talented illustrators to work on the books, which I think was always, at least from my vantage, fair or not a perception that I didn't have about Dynamite, that they kind of found guys that were willing to do the books versus, you know, finding guys that would be great doing the books. And I think that's I think that the, the change came in when Wilfredo started on um, The Shadow, to be honest. OK, mm-hmm. it was it was a very different look for the books and, you know, just so beautifully drawn. Mm-hmm. You know, perfect also for the, for the period, and I think that was when um, things really started to change for for them in terms of what we we really thought they were going to be. You know, see, I, th- I thought it was the John Cassidy covers. I thought that was the whole big change. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, I'll, I'll back Jason up. For a lot of years, I always regarded Dynamite as. Um, the graphic equivalent of like the not ready for primetime players where they would get guys who just were sufficient, but really not stellar. But that seems to have been changed. Even if you take a look at the good girl books that they, well, the bad girl books, good girl art that they have going on now, there's definitely an uptick in, in the, the uh, graphic representation of these characters, which is always welcome. I mean, they're just not, it's not shovelware. Let's just put it that way. And, we, and it's, it's a good thing. From, from the covers on, and they, they still have their, their, uh, potholes, but they're easy to avoid these days. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think, you know, it, it, it all helps to improve across the board, you know, it's, it, you, you get good writers, you'll get good, good artists, and, and, and on and on and on, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not, I, as much as I like Alex Ross, you know, it's nice to know that not everything's wrapped up in an Alex Ross cover, you know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah. Now, if we can only get Avatar to to change similarly, mm. that'd be great. 
but let's not go down. Um, so what, what else are you guys reading? What, what's really floating the, uh, your boat these days? Boats. Tony? Oh, well, I mean, we, we all sort of gather once a week. There's a little group of us who gather and, um, I think we, between us, we pretty much read every comic out there. Nice. Um, wow. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting there anyway. Um, we're reading all the, um, Mark and I, I think we're, Fair to say, we're both really enjoying the Avengers books at the moment. Adam boys, absolutely, yeah, terrific stuff. Yeah, it's um, it just it bends my mind. And to have Shang Chi back again as well is is, is superb. Yeah, wait, wait Shang Chi, right? Floral, right? Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah so um, there's that. I'm um, I'm back on the 2000 AD bandwagon again. Um, I left them for a few years. I'm back with them. Um, I didn't think you were allowed to. Yeah, you get to ten what, years old, and they 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 just give you a copy. And right? That, yeah, exactly. What? what uh, so, so, what brought you back? I mean, is it is it again? Is it like a, a certain a certain character, a certain creator back, or just you you hadn't revisited it and you thought I'll give it a try, and it just it was the quality was higher. It's a bit of a strange. I might save it if you, if I'm going to do a book later. I might just say because it's it's sort okay, of the yeah. story that leads into the book. I'm going to if you if you if you, if yeah. you kindly allow me to t- yeah, to talk about the, the reason I found it. Um, yeah, is a sort of weird coincidence. I think I might mm-hmm. have told you about it in New York when we chatted, but uh, mm-hmm. the quality of it is back is back up again. You know, it really is. Um, uh, so it's 2018. There's a lot of small press stuff in the UK as well worth a look. The, the No Brow guys are really good, and the Avery Hill guys are, are really really good. Um, and I've sort of fallen off a bit, a bit off the sort of Vertigo DC bandwagon, but I think that's, that's a little bit across the board with yourselves as well, isn't it? Or? It is. It oh is, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. not, not again, I, I don't think we ever, we want to besmirch DC. A lot of people are enjoying yeah. quite a bit of it, but yeah, just, I mean, for, for whatever reasons, the three of us have our, our collective reading of DC, I think it's fair to say is at its lowest point yeah. collectively in, in our seven years doing the show. I mean, I don't, but, you know, again, we each read some DC, but. But each of us read, I think, in the aggregate, much more DC than we had. In, yeah. in I got a, a, a semi-funny story uh, in in regard to that. Uh, I was um, doing the Facebook P, PM with Tony, and, and I said, uh, uh, "Yeah, yeah, I, 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 we, we really like to bring the positive every week." And I just read seven issues of something I really thought was going to float my boat because I, I love. Oh, I know what it was. The, yeah. I love the, the work these mm-hmm. people do, and and it was just it was painful, uh, and uh, so yeah, that's that's uh, it's it's a problem, and and I I really don't know what to attribute it to. I, I think uh, it's like music, you know. Sometimes bands just stop making records that are for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my we, my son's reading. My son is um, Constantine and Green Lantern Mad, so. I'm still buying DC books, but I mean, he's, shout out to my son Ross, he's 18 in a couple of weeks, but, uh, he's, um, he's reading uh, wow. loads of DC books at the moment, you know, and he's really enjoying them. So maybe it's just not for me. I don't know. It's true. They do, they have, um, managed to, to garner an audience. Oh, yeah. With, it, with mm. this stuff. It's just, yeah. unfortunately, it, it's, it's not us for well, the Well, I mean, and, and I, 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 I think I'm the only one of us, but I'm checking back in with Convergence. I mean, I, I pre-ordered. No, yeah, I, I pre-ordered them all. Yeah, me um, too. The bundle, Are you kidding so. me? Justice League oh, Detroit and, and yeah, Jesus okay, that's right, that's oh, no, right. I'm, I'm all yeah, about so, that. And I realize that Convergence is a, is more of a, a an extended fifth fifth week event. It's, it's, even if I enjoy Convergence, that doesn't mean I'll be reading stuff two months later because it is a temporary uh, thing, but I, I'm intrigued enough that I, I guess, I don't know how, even how many issues it was because I bought the bundle from DCBS, but it's gotta be what 50, 60 issues that I, I pre-ordered to, to give a try, which is a lot of reading. So, yeah. so, and, and I'm hopeful that at least a few of them 
in some way evolve past convergence and it brings me back. I mean, the, the few, the few DC books that I'm still reading, I've, I've enjoyed quite a bit. I mean, I, I mean, I still enjoy, uh, you know, we talked about, uh, we've talked about them in a recent week. So it's not, it's not like everything. It, I don't want to, I, I don't, I don't want to go as far as to say that the quality is, is perceptively worse. No, it's just that no, no, no. no. Reason, I, I, I for me, I think, say that. yeah, I think for me, and again, I, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but it's just that in a way, uh, I, since I was so much of a Marvel zombie for most of my life, um, I think one could make analogs to how each publisher is, is how they're doing things. And you could say that there's some commonality, but for me, I guess, uh, tie goes to the familiar. Like I, I, I be much more tolerant in, uh, and feeling like a warm, comfy blanket with stuff that goes on at Marvel, even if it's not yeah. necessarily at any given time, the highest quality. Whereas for DC, uh, it, 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 the, the bar is higher for me to stick with it. I'm much more apt to just drop a book and then come back to it sometime down the road. I think, it's I think, true. I think part of it is, um, the UK has always been more Marvel friendly. Um, because of Marvel UK and, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even pre that really, they, they reprinted a lot of the early Marvel stuff and they reprinted it over and over again. So, um, they, they came out as weekly comics. So as a, as a kid, you were reading mostly Marvel and getting a DC comic was more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was, it would be when you went on holiday or something, you'd, you'd find like a newsstand that had these weird comics that you hadn't seen before. You know, it's the only, time you'd you'd find gold key comics for instance would be mm. when you were by the seaside you'd never find them in the town <laughs> you know it's one of those bizarre things uh, and and my, my i think my love of, of dc really happened more in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. a point where i wasn't enjoying marvel you know i, I think I, that's when i crossed over mm. between well, the and, two and- did that co- did that coincide though with your availability? Because I mean, again, I mean, one of the things I think of, and tell me if I'm wrong, but like, I I know with as you guys know, Captain Britain's a, a favorite character of mine, and I know I know when people think of Captain Britain's roots, they think of the, the you know the Alan Moore stuff that's in the yeah, but it goes Congress, back a lot but, further, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, Cl- Claremont and Trimpey and created the character, yeah. and and it was it was exclusively for the for the Marvel UK. I mean, but 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 it, you know that that was there were a bunch of stories with Captain Britain. Long before Alan Moore took it over, at least four, at least forty, if not more, issues of the character existed before Moore ever wrote wrote the guy. And 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 uh, you know, you guys had that before we did. I mean, I, I certainly, as a kid reading comics, didn't have access to that stuff until much later. And um, and then I guess so. I guess what I'm asking is, that I don't remember ever hearing anything about DC having anything similar. So, did you guys start getting access to that because? They were more readily available, or is it just that because guys like Moore and 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 Morrison and stuff were making a name for themselves? I think we started having more comic shops, and and you'd you'd find um, DC suddenly um, their books being around then. Hello. Yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean the Captain Britain stuff when it came out in the UK, it was it was that many issues, but you got to remember it was only four or five pages an issue, sure. um, and they they would, they would be filled up with um with reprints, but they were very much directed. I mean, I was eight or nine, I suppose, when it first started, and they would come out with free gifts. The first issue would have a Captain Britain mask and stuff like that, so it was very much aimed towards us kids, you know, on a weekly basis. So I think a lot and, of us do love that Stan, costume. Yeah. And Stan came over as well and did a load yeah. of promo on TV right. on kids TV, so. <laughs> there was a really big push, you know, which was bizarre because they'd have Spider-Man in the studio while they were talking about Captain Britain. But, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> this is stuff I remember, you know, vividly from from being sort of like an eight-year-old kid. It's like, where's Captain Britain? Why have we got Spider-Man there? Right. You know, right. I was upset about continuity already. <laughs> <laughs> now, did those, like like that, that like you were saying, uh, Tony, that with the 
the early issues with the with the mask and stuff like that's one of my uh frankly grail back issues stone and oh, right, for me it's okay. like i've never even seen a copy like so i always wonder like is David, it we will sort you out for new york yeah there you, you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right, there I go. think it was a, was it a mask in the first issue? Then Gauntlets was it? And then you got a boomerang. There was, there was, there was an aeroplane, wasn't there as well? And right. Boomerang. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like yeah. a waistcoat, I think, was sort of plastic waistcoat. Oh no, no, yeah. that that you could buy. That was the tabard and That's uh, it. Yeah. the plastic tabard. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Somehow I picture yeah. us somewhere in New York <laughs> in the fall doing shots of some ridiculous liquor with. With us wearing Captain <laughs> Britain waistcoats, that would be love it. Mark's got his on now, actually. So. I have, and nothing else. <laughs> I love that's all I wear at the drawing board. <laughs> Don't go down that road. Oh yes, yeah. You be careful. You know what he's like. <laughs> I love the British tendency to include gifts with yeah. the with the periodicals. That is like the Japanese. That is great. Um, there was a time when I was getting 2000 AD. Mm. Uh, and this is going back a, a long time. And once in a while you would get a gift, but they would, I would also pick up, um, the Beano, is it? Yeah, yeah. yep. And, and the, just the crazy stuff that would be packaged with these magazines, like sometimes totally what? unrelated to, to them. And, uh, it, it's just like a, a nice little incentive that you get something extra with your comics. Yeah, they, they do that sort of once a year with the Beano. There's like a relaunch. So you get like mm-hmm. a spud gun or, or something, yeah. or something to, you know, hurt your sister with. That came with it, you know, or, or sweets what, or something like that. What in the like hell's that. a spud gun? Potato <laughs> I don't, what is a potato gun? I think it, it, it shoots, uh, you put, you jam a potato in the back of it and it takes little, little chunks, um, of, little the, chunks uh, of potato yeah. and uses it as, as ammunition. Really? Yeah. Completely. Yeah. 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 That's like a thing? Yeah, it's like a thing. It's not quite a thing. And Jason, they gave them away free for you to kill your sisters with. See, I was an only child, so I was never, I was never provided such things. I guess. See, they're 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 using potatoes to shoot each other with. Meanwhile, the Irish don't have any, so it's it's real. See that? (laughs) They were giving us free bottles of whiskey to drink. (laughs) That's true. And one of the things that uh, the 2000 AD people did that the we never saw back in the states is their annuals were upscale hardcovers yes, granted they were. they were most right they were mostly reprints and text pieces but, as well yes yeah, yeah. it was text and, pieces and, text, and, and tryouts they they it was kind of either stuff from really old comics from mm-hmm. like the the seven, you know the early 60s and stuff like that or it was tryout stuff and and stuff where people got paid next to nothing or inventory stuff they put in them Unless it was the Judge Dredd annuals where they, they had beautiful painted stuff in it. That tends to be yes, mostly yes. new content. I have almost. Com- stuff was in the annuals as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have almost a complete run of the 2000 AD annuals. And, uh, the, the printing, like, they would maybe do two colors for some, some of the stuff. Like, you could tell it was really, um, economical printing, but just the presentation, the nice stiff hardcovers and the, you, you got a chunk of comics for not a whole lot of money. And I, I just love to go back and peruse those things because they're loaded with good stuff. Oh yeah. Every, I mean, every Christmas, Vince, they used to, most comics had like a, an annual come out and it would be that thing of, you go down to the newsstand and go, I want that one for Christmas. I want that one for Christmas. I want that one for Christmas. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it was you know quite often people didn't who didn't buy comics would still get like the the Beano or Dandy annual every year mm. under the Christmas tree. You know that that was right. you know that that's kind of where a lot of the the people sort of my age see comics. 
And Marvel put out quite a lot. Marvel put three or four out a year. DC always had one or two usually. There was normally a Batman one. Um, yeah, but the, the, in America, the annuals are a, a, like a summer event, are they not? Sort of, which I always found usually, yeah. Usually, yeah. Anyway. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, we always found it quite confusing because the annuals was a big Christmas event for us, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the annuals, again, from your, it's like you imprint what's, what's, uh, your, your, your early memories. So I, I think a lot of us have fond memories of certain, uh, Marvel annual events, but, but, mm. but to be fair, looking back on them, they were not of the highest quality either in art or story, no. but, but, uh, you know, you romanticize them because when you're a kid, everything seems awesome, <laughs> but I don't know that they held up. As and they were thicker as well, you know? Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. Yeah, they had the, uh, the, what is it, perfect bound or the square, like a lot of the animals for a few years had that, that perfect bound, uh, in, in the states, like the biggest sticker animals, like Evolutionary War, I remember had that, and Atlantis Attacks had that, right, yeah. and Serpent Crown Affair, yeah. and yeah, so. David's relatively quiet. What's no, going he on? He is. No, he, well, cause I'm listening. I, I'm, I'm, I guess you're saying, I, and we're, we're jumping around a bit, but I'm curious to know if, um, just to get back without spoiling anything regarding Planet Hulk, the, uh, was this something that, did, so you you were working on invaders. You 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 were working on a few things and 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 things we still haven't uh, I guess seen yet from Marvel. But how did you get the Planet Hulk gig? Um, it was through the 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 one editor I've been working with, Mark Benicia, who, who um had been teasing me that he had this book for me, and it was just teased and teased and teased. And it wasn't until New York that I knew what I was getting. And then I still didn't know whether it was an event. I was just told it was a Hulk mini because he's, he's the Hulk, um, editor as well and who I was writing it with. And I think it was December that I found out that it was going to be a secret wars book and, and sort of quite high profile. So, you know, it was, it was, a, a, you know, as much a surprise for me as it was for you guys. That's awesome. I need this book right now. You know that, right? Um, it is the most fun I've had drawing, and it's been great because we had such a long lead time. While I was working on other stuff, I was doing a lot of world building, so we've really thought this through from from the ground up. Now, is there a chance that, say, sales um, on certain minis go through the roof? Could these possibly become ongoings? I, I believe that's what they're saying. Nice. <laughs> because, because I mean, the, 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 I think the press release that came out today was um, stated that um, there was a possibility that you know all of these books that are coming out could be ongoings. Oh. I, I saw the one. It's uh, basically the Legion of Monsters with you know the Man Thing and the Living Mummy yeah. and, and uh, Werewolf by Night, and I I need that to be an ongoing. Oh, totally. You know that, yeah, that's that... totally the book I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to draw it, I want to read it, that one. Mm. Well, you can read it while you're drawing it, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I, I saw the um, Master of Kung Fu book come up, it's like, oh, that's my dream book, but I would like to read it. You know, because yeah. as, as much as it's great working on a book, you don't ever get that, you know, especially if you get, get a dream job, it's like there are certain books I don't want to draw because I want to read them. I was collating my Master of Kung Fu run just the other day. I'm, I'm missing a few, but uh, as I'm getting them in order, uh, you know, naturally paging through them. And Paul Gulacy did absolutely phenomenal work on that book. Yep. Yeah, you're right. And, you're right. And it just pains me that the chances of seeing that all collected yeah. someday 
are very, very slim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I mean, it'd be lovely to see the Mike Zek stuff produced. Oh, Gene oh, oh, Day. 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 Mike Day. Zek's I mean, going to be at Heroes, yes, yes. and I, I just can't even contain myself. I can't, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know how we're going to do it, David, but we have to figure out a way uh, to not have happen what happened with Art Adams this past year because okay. I cannot – I. So just what we mean is, you know, Heroes last year, Art Adams was there, and I'd never met him. So David and I thought we were going to use our, you know, our muckety-muck press passes to get in early and get, you know, get. and we got there, and, like, there were 75,000 people in line for him somehow before the thing. No, so, a lot of people. So Zek, I mean, I, I, he is, you know, we've talked about the show a lot. I I don't care if I have to wait in line eight hours for him. I am definitely going to have a chance to meet him and uh, hopefully get him to draw something for me. But I got to meet him at least because yeah, uh, I'm going to bring my Power Man and Iron Fist page that he drew and oh, uh, nice. sign that. But yeah. I, the dude is like, he's one of the probably five guys on a short list of people ask about like, you know, hey, who do you think are underappreciated, you know, all time great uh, artists in comics? He's always going to be one of my top five. Yeah, I, so, wow. so I, I, I don't want what happened with um. I don't want to miss the opportunity to at least shake his hand and say thank you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I've met him. Yeah, yeah. La-di-da. Yeah, but um, I don't know if Mr. Campbell checked all those Batman books I sold him a while oh, yes, back, but there is a bunch of, of Zack signed nice. Batman books. Well, what was it, Ten Nights of the Beast? He did the covers for, yes. I, I yep, believe. Yeah. Yes, I, I think some of those are signed by Well, by I know Zach. our boy Jerry McDade, the other king of the jam pieces, uh, went to a con and he got Zach to draw on two of his jam pieces in the same day. So it's, it is possible. It is possible. It is possible. And so. we can make it happen. Yes. That's right. Jason said la di da. It was one of the, called me a pile of shit earlier. Uh-oh. I did not. I did not. <laughs> I did. Uh-huh. Dude, I love shit. We said that all the time over here, right? Man. So I want to talk about this 2000 AD stuff. Yeah, do it. Sorry. I want to hear about your 2000 AD experience. Yeah, bring it. Oh, right. Okay. Well, um, firstly, thanks for having me on. Uh, we, as I've said to you before, I've been a fan since, um, the bullpen bulletins days. So, uh, it's, re- it's, it's really cool to be on. Thanks a lot. Um, I think the, the, the book I was going to talk about, I don't know if anyone's, has anyone read Slain at all amongst yes. yourselves? Yes. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, things have changed a bit with him. Slain was, um, the barbarian character in 2000 AD for, mm-hmm. um, I think it's 32 years it's been going now, but it's always been written by Pat Mills, who I'd met, um, quite a few times at conventions. He's a regular at UK conventions. He needs to do more American work, I have to admit, but, um, he's, 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 he wrote every story in the first issue of 2000 AD and, you know, he's a proper gent and he's the, like a really interesting raconteur and all this sort of thing. So I'd met him a few times. Um, and, um, I, um, it turned out that we were both old boys at the same school, which we, I didn't find out until about three or four years ago. Um, and it turned out that the housemaster at our boarding school, which we were at, turns out to be the basis for Torquemada, who's the character in Nemesis, um, which was just this sort of bizarre coincidence that we both knew this guy. Um, and so from that, I became sort of quite friendly with him. And um we, we, we meet occasionally, we have a bit of lunch and we, and we talk about stuff. And, um, he, he teased, um, the Britannia Chronicles, which is the most recent slain book, which is, um, which was serialized, um, last year in 2000 AD, but it's just come, not long come out in a, in a hardback. And it's, uh, it ran between, uh, 2000 AD, they call them progs, if, if anyone didn't mm-hmm. know, but they, it ran between 1874 and 1886 with the issues this, this particular book ran from. Um, it's, it's written by Pat, um, who just writes it with just like pure poetry. It's just, 
it's just I always say he pays homage to no one, Pat. He's full of ideas, and they're they're all original. You know, it's um it's kind of 2000 AD's Conan, I suppose, in a way. But if you imagine Conan crossed with um with Johnny Rotten, possibly something like that, he's got that sort of <laughs> snarl to him. Yeah. You know, the sort of anarchist snarl, sort of um brutish character. He's he's a Celtic warrior, so um. Oh, respect. Uh, yeah. 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 Me too. My mother's Scottish, so I can dig that. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a Celtic warrior and he, 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 he has in the past, um, had things called warp spasms where his body sort of, um, grows and, um, and becomes super strong and stuff like that in, but in a, in quite a sort of, um, disgusting sort of way, you know, there's no sort of incredible Hulk muscles to him, you know, it's this sort of, um, grotesquery to him almost, you know, and, um, the book that's just come out is the Britannia Chronicles book one, A Simple Killing, which is the first in what, if it was Conan, it would be King Conan. It would be the, the later days of his life. You know, it's drawn by, um, just absolutely beautifully, um, by Simon Davis. I don't know if anyone has come across his work before. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. He, he, yeah, I know his stuff. Yeah. He did. He did a series called Sinister Dexter for um, 2000 AD, which okay, I, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. Yep. which I should have paid more attention to, and I didn't. But it's it's here that I, he really, he really has, in my opinion, has has taken off. It, it's 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 very brooding. It's very um, central to, to almost to Slane McGrath's face. Um, the the story. I read you what it says. Um, uh, Celtic barbarian warrior Slane. Um, united the tribes of the Earth Goddess and became the first High King of Ireland. After ruling for seven years, he fought for the Goddess, travelling through time to battle her enemies before returning to save his people from the Fomorian Sea Devils. Now he's crossed over onto the Isle of um, Mon- Monad, how you say that, in an attempt to rescue Sinead from the easel clutches of the, of the Droon Lords. And it's, it's the, the tale of his later life. He's basically given up all the power of the kingdoms and stuff like that. And, he, and he's, and he's travelling over to over the Devil's Causeway, and it's it's a, a sort of full bleed, painted, just um, uh, how you, it's, it, there's ennui in it, you know. It's, it's got that sort of um, pause to it, it's, which you didn't get in the earlier stuff of um, Ballardinelli and um, all these sort of guys, um, Clint Langley, and it's got it's got moments just like real poetry and real beauty, where he's um, he, he'll go from walking across the Devil's Causeway sort of slowly with with crows following him to to just fighting the most grotesque sort of sea creatures, you know, mermaids sort of that you know are not beautiful, you know, they're not my mm-hmm. little mermaid. They're, they're, and, um, and 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 Pat has just got a real. I think Pat really is one of the most underrated writers. It, it's just that he sort of steadfastly refuses to write superheroes on the whole. Um, mm-hmm. I think he would have been more accepted um, by the American audience, you know. Right. Um, yeah, so it's, it's that. It's, 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 it came out um, a couple of months ago, but the second part of it is about to begin in 2018, again by um, Simon Davis as well. Um, and it's about to start, I think, in April again. And I was chatting to him um, at London and, um, asking him about it. And, uh, the one point he did bring up to me, he said that he was, uh, really pleased that, um, that Pat gave him that, that, that area to express. And it's a lot longer than a normal 2000 AD story. It seems to run a lot longer. Mm-hmm. But the hardback's filled with sort of sketches and designs and sort of co- covered, 
cover sketches that were never used and all this sort of thing. But the one thing he did say to me, which made me laugh, he said, um, uh, 2000 AD allowed him to put the, uh, the giant's penis in it. <laughs> didn't think, uh, he didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, that's quite, that's, well, that's, that's, that's a book. I, I, I can't recommend it more highly. It's, it's just, it's just an, inc- I've re- I've read it and I've reread it and it's, it's, it's re- really, really, really interesting. You know, it's, it's something you don't really see. Um, it's, it's none of the traditional and it's, it's all of the grotesque. There's, you know, there's, there's a, there's a Cthulhu feel to some of the creatures and, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, a, there's, at one point there's a Green Man festival he goes to and it just, it just looks crazy, trippy mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Um, if you haven't seen it, go read it, I would say. I, I think Mr. Mills is, is criminally underrated. Yeah, I agree. As, as a writer, he has, he's got his fingers in, well, the, the hallmarks of, of British comics, ABC Warriors, oh, Nemesis the oh, War. I love Nemesis the Warlock. And, and when the, the two, the, with the crossover between the two, that just like blew me away. But yeah. I, I think a lot of people forget, uh, on our side of the, of the pond, we've been ex- uh, exposed to Mr. Mills as well in, I think, one of the, the greatest characters, um, in martial law. Yeah. And th- that has such a, uh, a vehemence. There's, there's like a reprehensible, disgusting, um, turn on superheroes. Like superheroes in martial law are the, are the enemy. And you can see that, that Mr. Mills just really does not like writing superheroes. <laughs> he's, he's really, I mean, you guys should get him on. He tells some just hilarious stories. The one where he fell asleep while Stan was talking to him is just one of my favorite ever stories. <laughs> yeah, get him on and get him to talk about the, um, the, the 2099 books. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was, I was going to say that too. He did the, the twenty ninety nine. Yeah, he did the Punisher. Yes. Man, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's got some big things going on. Uh, I've watched his face because something's about to happen with him. Definitely, definitely. But he's he's one of those writers. He doesn't sit just sit at home and look at the internet and write stuff. You know, he went he went to Iran to research a story, and That's you really know, he, he gets about. You know, re- really, really insightful. And we, we chatted about a few things recently. Um, that he included into a story. If you read the 2008 special from Christmas, um, someone gets murdered in it who may or may not have been our old housemaster. So he's sort of, you know, he's sort of really, <laughs> really, he's, he's like almost he's got that traditional feel to him about a writer. He wants to live it before he writes it, you know, which is just really refreshing. Mm-hmm. Authenticity, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good thing. That's yeah, and and I guess the easiest way for us to experience this stuff would be through, through 2008. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's a lovely hardback. I mean, it's it's a brilliant hardback, and it's um, sixteen pounds ninety nine. So it's you know, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's they're really reasonable, you know. And it's oversized as well, so you know, yeah. closer to sort of a, a European album size. All right, we're yeah. on it. Vince, order three copies. Yes, appreciate yeah. that. Cool. I can give you a ton of Pat Mills. I bet you. Yeah. Can. Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> And he's a very imposing man too. I mean, in person, he's he is, he's yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, yeah, which is good because like the the you you like to always picture your your like um, Robert E. Howard. You would expect Mister Howard to be this gigantic hulk of a man, all rough hewn, and that's what kind of uh, Mister Mills is. Mm-hmm. So it fits the the style of writing that he uh, he he partakes in. I mean, Charlie's cool. War is his big is his. Is, is a really amazing book that he wrote about the First World War many years ago. Um, and and it, it tells the true story of the First World War, you know, and he's, he's, he's a real historian around that as well. Uh, I'd recommend that as well if you could find it. Yeah, yeah that, that's that, outstanding, that book. Was that in battle? It was indeed. 
Yeah. Ah, so I, I probably have some of that. Yeah, I, I have. A, it's available a lot of the battle as well. I think as well now. Oh, cool, cool. Sequential. I think they're doing it. Yeah. What books kind of don't you have, Vince? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> I, I, dude, I have a lot of. Them. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's true. It's silly. What well, percentage uh, do you think a... you've read? Oh, it's probably ten percent. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was. You know, uh, I, it's been nice that uh, my having three young kids. You know, we've gone through a litany of different babysitters over the years, and uh, and and our most recent one is 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 a is a is a, is a, 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 a male, a kid, you know, and, and, and named Jacob, and and it's so awesome because he's super into comics. So he's like the first person that's ever made use of my comic room aside from me. And, uh, so the other, you know, a couple weeks ago, he was like, Mr. Wood, like, have you read all these comics? And I was like, no, nah. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I, I don't, I'm like, I think conservatively, I've, I've not read at least half of the stuff that's, that's in my possession. I mean, I would have to think it, you know, at least, and I probably remember a tenth of what I own, right? I mean, in terms of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we all sit there just saying one day I'll read oh, it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and it's always very... We don't stop. We don't stop buying new shit. Exactly. We still have the old stuff to, it's, to read. It's very so. psychologically crushing, though, if you let it, because sometimes yeah. I'll walk in, I'll look around, and I'll think, oh, I want to read that, I want to read that. And then I'll start realizing, like, dude, unless I quit my job, I'm never going to read most of this yeah. stuff. Like, And I just have to <laughs> accept it and just look at, like, a library. And if something pe- strikes my fancy, at the moment, I grab it and read it and just, but, I guess, feel grateful that I have the option. Now, now, not only do I have... Well, it's not now. It's been for a while, but, but we have a physical regime and a digital i mean thanks to bundles and sales and i have i have digital books that you know i just or or preview pdfs things like that i just i i don't have time to read digitally even though i almost always have a tablet or a device with me uh i i don't have time to read everything on that or stuff in the cloud or that i have sitting next to the bed or or next to my desk right now It's, it's crazy I think yeah. the trouble is, the older we get, the more you're in a position where you can afford yeah. the stuff that you couldn't afford as a kid. Absolutely. So, so you spend your whole time being the kid that wanted everything. It's, it, it's when my friends were old. When you're a kid, you go to McDonald's. Your parents always tell you, you know, you're getting, you're getting the happy meal. You know, you're not getting the super size. You're not getting the large soda, the large fries. It's too much for you. Then as soon as like you know, you're 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 in high school or something, you go to McDonald's on your own. You you're, you're buying all the crap that your parents know you're not going to finish and then you just because you can you're 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 absolutely right you just you have the ability to buy the stuff and that's what you're going to do and it's all available now as well but when we were kids you couldn't get everything could you you know but uh, hardbacks and you double dip and you know yeah digital's only made it worse yeah yeah. i mean i I mean i think about the amount of stuff i have digital that's just just sitting there to be read and and that's it's just it makes it even more enormous. I, I don't, I don't know. But again, it's a really great problem to have. It's, it's fun, right? It's part of the, it's part of the love that we have with, of the hobby is the idea of collecting and, and hoarding this kind of stuff. So. Well, one of the reasons why I've only read 10% of everything I own is because I keep revisiting stuff that I love. True. True. Such as the book that I wanted to talk about. Oh, but I'm bumped. Wow. So you saved the segue uh, for the show, not for the uh, yes, sponsor. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, this we strap series, this be yeah, a, a little okay. bit, a little bit. Um, this series was published uh, from December of 1987 to May of 1989. Ran 18 issues, and it was an anthology. Oh, this isn't what I thought you were going to talk about. No, and I'll, I'll oh, tell was you. Was it from um, DC? It was yes, from DC. Uh, and it was a, a book that was born out of one of those DC um, creative summits. 
uh, Mike Gold, who's an editor at DC, he was kind of lamenting over the fact that DC, who a publisher who you know once found uh, much creative and financial success in the horror anthology, yet House of Mystery, House of Secrets, Witching Hour, Ghosts, etc. In the in the late eighties, they kind of moved away from the genre and the format. Uh, and it was, uh, a duration that Mike Gold considered a, a bit too long of a stretch. And the publisher at the time, Jeanette Kahn, uh, along with, uh, Dick Giordano, who was the executive editor and Paul Levitz, the, the vice president, they agreed, right seriously, they agreed with him. Um, yes, we, we, DC needs to have a horror anthology. Uh, but to, to Mr. Gold, the reasons the the format failed at other publishers was um, because he thought the books had no identity. There was there was no cohesion to the titles. Uh, to him, an an anthology needed a creative stable team. No, a stable creative team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so, like some sort of visual identity that the reader could expect to see each and every month without fail. Open the book, you know, at least visually, what you're going to get. And, and he also thought that because DC was having such success with Swamp Thing, which was not Comics Code approved, he, he thought that to be really successful, to really push the buttons, a horror anthology could not be Comic Code approved. Uh, he thought it should take advantage of the mature readers format. Uh, and unlike current DC, he also thought the publisher should not be afraid to offend some people. Yes. Uh, in, in his own words, uh, nudity and gore and O. Henry twist endings have been done to death. Let's get inside the reader's head and kick the icky, nasty thoughts loose. And that's exactly what he did. He his first choice for writers uh, was the Munden's Bar team of John oh, Ostrander yeah. and and Mr. Del Close. Got it to the old form. So he he cobbled together this 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 um, conceptual framework for the anthology where he had a rotating team of four artists. One would do the cover for the month. The other three would do the interiors, uh, with Mr. Del Close and John Ostrander taking. Uh, all of the writing chores on for this anthology. And the artists were William Messner Loeb's, who we know from Journey. Mm-hmm. The gr- Wonder Woman. Yes. The great Donald Simpson of oh, uh, Megaton oh, oh. Man and Border World's fame. George Freeman, who had a really cool run on Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and, and other titles for DC. And the incomparable David Lloyd. Oh, nice. Who we all know from uh, V for Vendetta. Vendetta. Yes. And it, it uh, th- at least for the first year, the, the color chores were done exclusively by the great Laverne Kanzierski. Uh, if you haven't guessed it already, the book I'm talking about is Wasteland. What a great book that was. Oh, oh my you goodness. You know what's so funny? Hold on a second. You told us you were going to talk about Wasteland, and I thought you were talking about oh, the, uh, Anthony the and, and, and Chris Mitten's yes. Wasteland. Right. Yeah, I've, I I petered out halfway through that. i got to get back on I that. I thought you but, had finally said I've, I, that's what I thought you were about to talk about, which is why I was surprised when you No, this, oh, okay. this is the original Wasteland. Yeah, I must say, I don't, I've never uh, read any of this. Ran for 18 issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, we all are very familiar with Mr. John Ostrander uh, and his work. 
uh, and rightly so, because the man is one of the true greats. But I, I don't think there's a whole lot of people um, out there, at least in our circles, that are uh, aware of Del Close's accomplishments and and just what a ma- a massive, massive uh, character and influence this this guy was, who who sadly passed away in 1999. Get this. In terms of in, improvisational theater and comedy, the the guy was the director and member of the famous Second City uh, oh, yeah? imp- improvisational troupe. Go to his wiki page and look at the staggering amount of famous names that have that bear his mark: Dan Aykroyd, both Belushi's, Bill Murray, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Harold. Was, was he in the Harold, Was he in the Blob remake? Yes. Yeah, I oh, so. I saw him in that. Yeah. I, I didn't. Okay. Harold Ramis, Gilda Radner. I mean, go look at that list. That list. He served as the house metaphysician yeah. at Sat- Saturday Night Live. He did light shows for The Grateful Dead. Uh, as an actor, he was in My Mother, The Car, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, Larry Hagman's Beware the Blob. Was he Ferris Bueller? The teacher, uh, one of the teachers. Um, oh, cool. okay. Was he the, the science teacher? Um, so, so he did a lot of productions for the small and large screen, did a lot of drugs. Uh, yeah, a lot of drugs. Uh, so he's a writer, actor, teacher, magician, trailblazer. I mean, not to short John Ostrander. The guy's a heavyweight, but it's Del Close that makes Wasteland the, the unique and fascinating beast that it is. So, uh, onto the book. 18 issues of what Del Close called a black hole horror anthology. He just he didn't want to say dark horror. And, and when you, when you hear some of the, the the descriptions of what actually went on in the pages, mm-hmm. black black hole horror anthology is pretty apt description. Um, you will encounter the fugu, which is a magic mushroom that produces what is claimed to be the most intense ecstatic high. But there's only one drawback: ingesting it will kill you. Mm. Radio, retroactive abortions. Uh, there are many autobiographical and semi-autobiographical tales of Del Close's time as a carny performer, his drug use, fencing with L. Ron Hubbard, <laughs> um, his use of coleslaw to improve his stage performances. What? He put it in. Yes, he put coleslaw in his pants <laughs> to in, improve. Improve his performance on stage. I do it all the time. I'm doing it right now. I have tuna instead of uh, coleslaw, though. I like this one. Seeking voodoo retribution for uh, wrongs uh, inflicted upon his lady friend. There's a story about a muscle-bound method actor named Stomper who was afflicted with a horrible list because he had uh, what he called supplemental dentation. He had two rows of teeth. And he tries to do Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, there's a, a ceremonial magic rite in which a participant attempts to invoke Captain Marvel. Doesn't turn out well. Professor Illuminatus and Dr. Acid appear in a story where a man battles the lords of DNA armed only with a copy of Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> you will encounter the adventures of Croak McCraw, the dead detective. That's the, I think it's the only recurring character in the entire series the he the stories involve a dead detective who can't move but can think and he continually wonders why is this happening to me and it goes literally to places that you 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 have you will never anticipate my favorite story there is a meeting between hp lovecraft 
and Frank Belknap Long, in which Howard reveals, in confidence, of course, that all of his stories were about his family. And get this, he equates the strain of syphilis lurking in his family DNA. His father went away to war, came back with syphilis. Uh, and for the majority of his life, H.P. Lovecraft was in fear of getting the syphilis. He equates that disease to the slumbering Cthulhu. Huh. That's brilliant. Like, like here, he, this dormant, sl- in, a, in essence, sleeping syphilis is the thing that conceptually turned into Cthulhu. It's brilliant stuff. Um, and Lovecraft is overjoyed at the thought of dying of cancer in this story. Cause he, he was in, in mortal fear of syphilis. He didn't want to go out with his mind all addled like that. It's, it's a, just a beautiful story. If you can call it beautiful, it, it's a, it's a wonderful story. Um, there's alien manufactured reality, ceremonial magic, dissected science teachers, uh, Shirley MacLaine type new age character that trans channels Genghis Khan and Genghis Khan sings. See, she's, it's really Shirley MacLaine. So she's doing the, the song and dance routine she did from, uh, what was it? Sweet Charity or Sweet Chastity, whatever that, that, that character was that she played as Genghis Khan, whereas Genghis Khan in her body just slaughters all the people at a dinner party she had. It's, it's funny. Um, there, there's an American Splendor pastiche drawn by Don Simpson, uh, where the Harvey Picar character is Henry Pequod who, after making a fool of himself on David Letterman, he, he becomes obsessed with the fear that his bed will burst into flames. He, he leaves work early on a number of occasions to check his bed, goes home, looks at his bed. Okay, the bed's not on fire. Next day, he leaves work even earlier to go home because he's convinced that his bed's on fire. Um, opens the door, bed's not on fire. But one day, he goes home, opens the door, and the damn bed is on fire. And, and, and as he's relating all of this to the janitor, uh, the janitor says to him, man, you gotta stop doing that. He goes, what if someday your bed tries to eat you? <laughs> and of course, this, the Harvey Picar character doesn't go home after that. It, Cause he was in, is in fear of that. Uh, there's a crossover with Swamp Thing. The, the only crossover in the series in which Ostrander and Close eat one of the uh, Swamp Thing's tubers mm-hmm. and they, they trip balls. Uh, there are serial killers. It's a wacky series. Pre-birth memories that manifest as physical creatures. A street thug who picks a fight with God. There's, there's much breaking of the fourth wall. Uh, political commentary, satire, surrealism, absurdism. There's a quote from John Wayne Gacy, which got the creators in hot water in the letters columns. Muppets coexisting with flesh and blood people. Phantom feet. Uh, a mob thug with stigmata, insect, <laughs> insect sex. Um, it, 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 and, and to my knowledge, the the run has never ever been collected. Oh, I was just going to ask you where could we read this? Yeah, no, no, it, it doesn't it, it, it ever has. It, it, you want to read this? You got to scare up the original issues. That's it. That that is a crime. I mean, I mean, it's dollar bin stuff, but it's it's amazing. It's an amazing book. And the thing that the stinger at the end of the run. Was so for 17 issues. It was it was an anthology format, usually three stories per issue. Uh, but I guess Ostrander and Close got the word like, "Hey, you got to wrap it up. Sales aren't warranting uh, us continuing. You know, 18 is going to be your last issue." 
they do a single issue story that encompasses everything, literally everything that came before. You get uh, recurring themes, characters, concepts, all tied up in a nice little warped bow with issue 18. And I got to say, the last issue is probably one of the greatest issues that I've ever read out of DC Comics. Wow. But without the context of the 17 issues that came before, it doesn't work. So in essence, the 18 issues have to be read as a whole for the, the last issue to actually make sense. So it can't really be one of the – I mean, I think so, but to, to someone not initiated into the, the Wasteland uh, series, if I threw issue 18 at you and I said, hey, here, this is amazing, and you read it, you'd be like, I, I don't get it. Like, what's the deal? But once you've digested those 17 previous issues, 18 is like a masterpiece. It is so good. But like I said, never been collected, and it's odd considering – most of David Lloyd's stuff has been exploited to death by DC right. just for the fact that he's been, you know, he's on one of their evergreen books right. with v, v for Vendetta and Don Simpson, William Messner Loeb's and the, I guess George Freeman left <laughs> around issue 10. So the, the, the four man art team kind of got shaken up, but for the better because they brought in Tim Truman, Ty Templeton, nice. Joe, Joe Orlando, Bill Ray Damn. came on. Yeah, yeah, Mick. Uh, Why did it take Rick you seven May? years to tell us about this book? <laughs> I, I'll tell. I'll tell you exactly why. Because as I was searching for something to bring to the show this week, I happened to look at my custom bound editions. Oh, do, 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 do. yes. <laughs> and and right in my in my hand, I have a beautiful bound edition of the complete run of Wasteland. Uh, LBC and James Jasek did this for me, and it, I'll tell you, it is one of my treasured possessions. And and I read the entire book cover to cover. There's more stuff in here uh, to pad it out because 18 issues don't make a great bind. You know, it's a little on the thin side. I put uh, Lunatic Binge in here, which has a great Jack Davis Frankenstein's monster cover. Uh, the Extended Dream of Mr. D, three-issue series that came out from Drawn and Quarter. I tried to make it thematically like Wasteland, like uh, what else is in here? There's a Dark Horse one-shot called Urban Legends. Get the creative teams on this thing. Uh, let's see. We got Arthur Adams does a King Kong versus Godzilla. Ah. Ivan Ivan Brunetti, Pete Bag is in here. Uh, Hilary Barda, we know him. Hey. Richard Sala, Mike Allred, Matt Wagner. Mm. Yes, it's a cool little uh, Bernie Moreau. Evan Dorkin does the baby in the microwave. Uh, Terry Laban, Scott Musgrove. It's a great little one shot. Again, I don't think that's been collected either, but I'm getting off the, off my, my track here. Um, Wasteland, fantastic series. Criminally underrated, like I said before, and never been collected. I always thought the, so, the cover designs were really brilliant on that book as well. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that because when editor Mike Gold uh, moved. There was a bit of a, uh, a foobar on the production end. They published issue five with the cover to issue six. Oh, really? Yes. And to correct, and they, and they rush, went, they went back to print and reprinted issue five with the, with the correct cover. But that meant that issues, the, the real issue six, had no cover because they used so they published it with a a, a completely blank white cover. Huh. Isn't that awesome? 
That was very awesome. Uh, uh, I hadn't realised that was why it was. I thought that was just a stylistic choice. <laughs> no, no, he uh, he moved and they they screwed up. And uh, there, there was a bunch of production uh, problems on this book. One of the stories halfway through the run, they they printed uh, four pages twice. So as you read the story, it feels like you're going back in time and reliving events that already happened, but it's just a production screw up. Hmm. Uh, yeah, plagued with with stuff like that, but um, it, it fits, right? Yes. It's it it is a a series that is completely unlike anything you've ever read from DC. I can guarantee that. Even with the Vertigo stuff, this series would uh, if you read this now, it would seem contemporary. It, it would seem uh, forward reaching even because it's uh, nothing like this has been done at DC. Yeah, I, I'm Since, I'm sure one very drunk evening I tried to convince Will Dennis. That he needed to do that as an anthology <laughs> when I was working for Vertigo. I'm sure I got on one about that at some point. Yeah. It's a, it's a great series. And I was telling uh, our buddy Will Pfeiffer that I was bringing it to the table this week and he's like, Oh, I love that series. It doesn't surprise me that, that you do too, because Will and I are sympathetical on a, a whole mess of stuff. Even Adam yeah. Sandler. Not Adam Sandler. <laughs> I know. Why? I don't understand why people got to shit on Adam Sandler. The guy's a genius. I, oh, but anyway, <laughs> he's done some funny and some good work, but genius, bro, you're stretching. He go, grown, I am grown ups too. That's what I'll say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, stop! Don't it? I, I like that movie. Listen, as, a, as a pure capitalist, I appreciate Adam Sandler because he has found a way to make obscene amounts of money in a systematic way with these movies, but. Uh, Oof, can't have that though. Yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah. So there you go. Vertigo reads and looks like nothing you've seen from DC. You know, this was or- such a pleasant surprise. Not because you don't always bring goodness to the table, but I I, I genuinely thought you were going to do a deep dive on on uh, Anthony and and Chris Mitten's Wasteland, which again I, I I wasn't. I don't mean to say I would. I don't like that series, but I I'm only about halfway through it. Even though I own all the the collected editions, and I thought, oh, he's going to go deep and. I, I have never gotten around to catching up on the series, and so you were going to kind of ruin it for me. So I'm, 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 I'm glad that was not the case. Yeah, and Christopher Mitten is one of my, uh, one of my darlings. That's, that's I, 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 oh, I, I, his, you his strap one on and come to Heroes with us. You can meet him. <sighs> <laughs> All right, who wants to go next? Yeah. David, come on, don't be so quiet. Um, sorry, bro. Don't be so quiet no, after, you know, after I just got done talking about Wasteland for a half hour. I just, it wasn't a half hour. I just like, <laughs> I, I like All hearing right, from. Settle down. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Well, I, I gave the guys a homework assignment a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if anybody read All New Hawkeye number one. Yes, sir. Okay, well, someone did. <laughs> uh, so, Jeff Lemire. Uh, you may have heard of him and Ramon Perez are, have relaunched. Re, 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 there's a new Hawkeye volume, all new Hawkeye. And this is about all the Hawkeyes, plural. Uh, after the very odd sort of fizzling out of the much heralded yeah. fraction. Then. Yeah, but I think, but, and, and according to the, the, what would be the letters page, the back matter, um, Lemire and, and, and Perez are working on the first issue of this before the fraction Aja series finishes, concludes. Um, so yeah, so you don't need to read what, just like Kari's current Iron Fist book, you don't need to read, uh, the 
previous volume of, of this character of this hero's book. So, uh, this is a, um, perfect jumping on point if, if you want to read not just about the Clint Barton Hawkeye, but the, uh, Kate Bishop Hawkeye as well. And the, uh, actually, and, and there's, there's third, I'm sorry, there's, uh, um, it's, it's about all the Hawkeyes. They, they make a point of saying that because, uh, we're reminded that, um, Clint had a brother. And, uh, and so maybe three Hawkeyes will be discussed, uh, will, will, will be written about, told about in, in, in this book. But, um, it is, it, the present day story is, is very comic book. It, it's, it reminds me of the, the, uh, the previous volume, but it is very comic booky in, in its presentation, its action, its colors, um, it, it's, it's like a modern day, um, Marvel comic in, but one of the, the clever ones, not, uh, not like Amazing Spider-Man or Avengers or, or the X-Men, just one of those basically like the Fraction Hawkeye kind of was, but the, the, the gem, the, the really big deal, I think with this book in, in my mind is, uh, are the flashbacks. That, uh, that, that, that Ramon throws out there because they're, they're done in this very watercolory, um, kind of, uh, they, 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 it's watercolors, but it's, it's, it's Purple an tune, tone, and yes, it's, it's very, it's like, it's, it's the whole kind of Wayne's rule, doodle doodle, and it just, it brings you back. <laughs> there you go, bro. It brings you kind of just, it just puts you in that, in that mindset. And, um, and it is so goddamn fitting and it's, it's, it's about Clint and his brother and, and, um, yeah, and their and their dad is is it a foster dad or is it is it actually their dad? I think it's their dad. Okay, yeah. uh, dad's a dick, but he um, but it, it's uh, it it's about them growing up and and having their chores to do and not doing their chores and and dad being drunk and and a dick and and not being pleased with them, um, and and whether or not uh, there's child abuse going on and and or kids running away from home. It, this is all part of this first issue and as i'm as i'm reading it the uh, again the flashbacks are amazing it it's what um it's what moves things along because it it does feel when i got to the end of the issue it did feel quick but i i thought that i was okay with that because you linger on the flashbacks you just you you i i soak it i you don't have to let it linger It, it it's uh it's not it's not so cranberry in that way, but it is a, um, the main story, the present day story is, is basically, uh, Clint and, and Cater are on a mission from S.H.I.E.L.D. They're, they're going to a, uh, to, to, to an A. You good, bro? Yes. That was very, that was very clever, you just dude. That. Ve- no, I got it. It was just like, I, I, it, it just struck me because it was like, like a diamond. <laughs> And it, and it was so beautiful. That's why we're the Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So, so uh, I'll be, I'll be Margot Kidder. No, I'm, I'm Margot Kidder. <laughs> what about you? So, so, uh, so you have this, it's, it's a present day story where, 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 where Shield Maria sent them on a, on a mission to, uh, find out what, what Aim is up to. There's some weapons and, uh, they, they, they have their back and forth and it's, it's very, it's very clever. It's very witty. Um, I mean Hydra. It's, is it Hydra? 
It is yeah. Hydra. You're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it is shield and shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, and, and, um, it is, again, the, the present day story I felt moved quick. Uh, but overall, the complete package, I, it, it's, I am not, uh, post West Coast Adventures, I am not the biggest Hawkeye fan. You're and, not. and, and I thought, seriously, I yeah. thought this was a fantastic first issue featuring a character that, uh, is, is if it continues to be this good is a character that will grow back on me like, like fungus. And it's, it's just a, um, it, I recommend it. I, I seriously do. It, it This would have, this was close to being my in your travels last week. I was just waiting for everybody else to read it. And I do want to hear what, uh, what Jason has to say about it. Well, you, you, I mean, I don't have a lot to add cause you did a great job summarizing it, but I, a couple of things struck me because, um, well, first of all, it should be said, although it's redundant. I mean, Lemire is a great fucking writer, mm-hmm. and you know, we we he's been on the show multiple times, although it's been a few years. And and let's be honest, uh, kind of like we were saying recently, our, our our disengagement through no judgment of quality, our disengagement with DC has coincided in some ways with Jeff spending a good chunk of his recent years writing a lot of DC books, and so I don't think we have talked about him as much as we have. At other times of his career, you know, um, although we, we certainly about Green Arrow a little bit, and we did absolutely, and that's because we revisited Trillium. it, and and yeah, so whenever he has a creator owned, we we get to it, but we've always been a big fan of his stuff, and he's just, I don't, uh, we talked about the sender last week, and I think he is just an amazing writer. He's one of those writers that can genuinely write great stories in all types of genres. So so that's number one. So I think he's a great choice. It's nice to see him back, uh, you know, hopping back over to do little Marvel stuff after so many years at DC. Um, and and you guys know I'm a huge Perez Mark. I mean, I own tons of his art. Love him. Yeah, I own a ton of his art. And one of the things that um, I actually talked to Ramon about uh, a con or two ago when I was looking at his art is just he a lot. He genuinely changes his art style to fit a book. I mean, it's uh, yeah. like if you look at the um, the pages he did in X Force from an original art perspective, they're much different. They're very rough. Uh, very loose, very frenetic, and and to be blunt, uh, those those OA pages weren't pages that really I wasn't drawn to them. But when you talk to him, that was a conscious decision he made because he wanted it to be like a because it was the you know the demon bear stuff, and he wanted it to be evocative of Sinkevich and 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 be like a fever dream. And so he changed his style for that. And and so I haven't seen the pages to this yet, although they they will be shortly available. Uh, uh, actually, for those that are interested, I think Essential Sequential will have them. Um, but, but, um, but, you know, I look at this and, and, and the, the modern stuff that you're referring to, David, the, the, I think to me looks a lot like, um, uh, at least the figure work looks like he's kind of gone back to, um, the way he did, uh, Tale of Sand. The, the, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of image, although not as much detail in the faces, right? I think Tale of Sand had very, very detailed faces. Um, but what's what I noticed about this is is this is a more of a pop art approach, you know, and and in that there's very little background in the modern parts of it, very yep. very little. It's all just primary colors as the background, and and it works fine because he's telling an action story where it really is just about their 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 these two characters, Katie and and Clint, uh, trying to get out of this mess that they're in. And then, like you said, it's just it's I I think what is powerful about this issue from a storytelling standpoint, is Ramon's use of, as you denoted, this purple-hued watercolor to evoke the, the backstory in the same pages and issue 
that you see this very pop art modern look. I, I think the juxtaposition is what makes it powerful um, versus having an issue in the watercolors and then an issue like this, right? And because and and sometimes it's not even it's not even you turn a page and it's a flashback. He he has the flashbacks happening on the same page, almost merging with other modern day panels. Yeah, I mean, there's one page in particular. I don't remember which one it was, but it it sticks out in my mind. To your point, where Clint is running through a hallway and kind of in the middle of the page and it's drawn in the, the, the modern way, the clean lines. Uh, and then in the windows of the, it's a, it's a corridor. So in the windows, instead of it being glass reflected is a parallel of a time when Clint and his brother were riding their bikes away from their drunk dad after his brother had assaulted his dad. And, and it's, and your point, that's, that's in watercolors juxtaposed against Clint modern. And then below that is their drunk dad calling them little bastards and a car scene with all the smoke coming at them. So it's, it's beautiful. Per, it's perfect composition. So, uh, I thought it was a killer first issue. You know, I, um, I, I do like Clint a lot and I, I feel as though I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to go into a, I don't want to go into a rant about, about Kelly Sue and Matt, but, but, um, but they are creators, if I'm being honest, that I find the adoration of their work, uh, almost cult-like. And then I feel like there's this contingent of comic fans who I perceive to be younger and newer to the, to fandom that are, are, I think view those two as their favorite creators. Um, and, and I, I'm not going to say they're wrong. I mean, you know, whoever's your favorite is your favorite, but I have found their work to be uneven. Again, just being frank, I, I don't, when I'm picking up a fraction or a Kelly Sue book, I never know if I'm going to love it or dislike it. Now, recently, like we talked about with, Casanova being back or with Kelly Sue's Bitch Planet, loving those two books. But much of the last few years of the stuff that they've each done, I've kind of been wondering, what's the deal? And Hawkeye was like that for me. Did I think there were components to Fraction Hawkeye that were enjoyable? I did, but it got tedious to me. I, I found it a bit tedious after the original conceit. This feels fresh to me. Um, it, it, it doesn't complete, Jeff doesn't completely depart from, I think, what drew new readers into Fraction Hawkeye. Because it is still about them as people as much as it is about their heroics. But this, at least for the first issue, is much more in the sort of superhero of that which we didn't get from Fraction. And so I, I think it was an A-plus first issue for me. I mean, Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. How about our guests? Have you read this first issue? I've still got uh, it sitting on the pile. But, I mean, I'm a huge fan of um, Ramon. So, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer that I'm going to buy that. Did the variant covers to Kingswatch, didn't he? He did indeed. The bouncy yeah. bestest variant covers ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm a huge fan of his stuff as well. I L- love it. He's a bit of a thought bubble regular as well. So oh, if you guys pop over, he's likely to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And real gent as well, friend. really. Yeah, he is. You can yeah. Tell, yeah. But, but a really friendly guy. Women when they're around him at a time, so. And the yeah. best dressed man in comics. He is, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably true. Yeah, I agree with you around the Hawkeye thing. It did fizzle out for me as well. I'm a big Hawkeye fan. Um, and, uh, yeah, I found, I, I found the, the fizzling out of it very disappointing. Yeah, I agree. Well, wasn't it published, um, out of sequence too? There was a, that happened, yeah. I mean, it yeah. Was, I, and I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember why it happened, but yes, that did happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was the timing, right? It's a little yeah. bit like inside baseball. We all knew that Fraction had a falling out with Marvel. He was supposed to do the Inhuman book. He dropped out of it. He was committed to the image books. He, he clearly Hawkeye became much less of a priority, uh, and and as a result, the book became 
very sporadic in its release, and that's always going to kill the momentum of a book, even a good one. So right. I don't know that, you know, if I'm being fair, I don't know that this, I, I, I feel like this storytelling got tired, but it could also have been all of those other things playing against it too. So it was the weight between the alternating stories as well, a little bit for me, you know, yeah. sort of, uh, I was waiting for uh, Clint to come back and, you know, that sort of thing. And I think, I think that sort of kept me waiting too long. I yeah. lost a bit of interest, I think, you know. And I've never been a fan of like, um, and I know this is probably sacrilege to a lot of our listeners. I find like, uh, mystery science, like I find that absolutely tedious. Like I could, well, preach, like, I, preach. I, I, you would have to bludgeon me to make me watch a full episode of that. Seriously. I, I, like I find that stuff just so boring. Um, and I thought I, it was just me. <laughs> oh, yeah. and the same thing with like you know when they had like used to, they used to uh, I forget maybe it was VH1 or they do like the pop up things and stuff. It's like yeah. every now and then that might be clever, but as a as a thing, it just bored me to, to death. And 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 again, my view of Fractions Hawkeye was that I felt like he was just every page was taking the opportunity to say wink, wink, tongue in cheek, like look at how clever or look at how we get it, and no one else does. And I just thought that, that gets tiresome. I don't know. I mean, and and I'm sure many of our listeners are thinking, why you're such a a crotchy old man, and it, it is probably a generational thing. That just just doesn't appeal to me. I don't. I just don't. That particular type of storytelling, again, I'm sure, is great for some people. For me, it doesn't work. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad. You, it's nice to see Jeff and Ramon doing this. And I don't know. Ramon has never stayed on a book for very long, so I, I suspect we were only getting an arc or two from him on this. But I'll, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, but yeah. you always get quality. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's the, yeah. I mean, I, I loved his um, John Carter stuff. That was the most bouncy comic I think yeah, I've ever seen. Yeah, was great, seen. wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Well, while you're uh, speaking, Mr. Lamming, what are you enjoying these days? Um, I brought um, with me the um, the Elric um, graphic novel that's just come out from Titan. Wow. Has anybody seen that? Oh, yes, the, yes, The French yes. one by um, Julian Blondel um, and Didier Pollier, Robin Recht and Jean Bastide. I mean, it's obscenely good. Um, it, it's worth... I Just pick it up. The, the artwork's beautiful. <laughs> and and that, we know the story's great because it's a, a full adaptation of, of Moorcock's book, so... Right, and that came out through Titan, right? Yeah, I mean, it's originally um, a, a BD, but now um, Titan are, are, are doing it. And it's almost a, a sort of straight copy, although the, it's slightly smaller than the French edition. There's a very vocal group of people at the, the local comic shop who just love Elric, but... When drawn by P. Craig Russell. Yeah. Right. No, no, I, I, I understand yeah. that. Are they, are they all our age? Yes. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's why, and, because they were buying right, it monthly yeah. when Pacific were doing it. And, well, and kind of monthly, book, yeah. Well, right. kind of monthly, yeah. So are you talking about uh, Michael Moorcock's Elric Volume 2 Stormbringer? Is that what we're discussing? Um, no, it's um, the Ruby Throne vol- is Volume 1. Oh, I see. Uh, so that's Volume 2. Yeah, I see. That's pre-order. Okay, because Amazon does have it. Okay. Right. And but when this book was solicited, um, the, the devices came out as people were doing searches for the artist because it obviously it's not P. Craig Russell. And, and they wanted to be uh, assured that their their Elric was in good hands. And I actually was down there as this was happening. And as the images were coming up, they're like, oh, OK, OK, we'll get this. Yeah, this looks good. I mean, it, and, it's uh, not a slavish ad- adaptation as the um, Roy Thomas scripted ones were no no but you know that they've, they've taken some liberties but the storytelling's just so beautifully cinematic throughout i mean i'm a huge p craig russell fan but you know even i'm gonna go no this really kicks ass 
I love P. Craig Russell, but I have to admit, and you know, call me a, 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 um, a lowbrow if if you want, but the elegance in his line gets to me after a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is so beautifully drawn and beautifully composed, and like I said, the, I, the, the one word that I automatically equate with P. Craig Russell is elegance, and it really is. But after a while, it just drains me. It, it can be quite. Um... I mean, not not his earlier stuff, you, like the Kill Raven stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think once he he probably after he did the Dreaming City book, right? And and then um, there was it was the Kill Raven graphic novel after that he did, wasn't it? Where mm-hmm. it became more and more photo um, referenced the work, I think. And right. I think at that point it became it. For me, it, it loses some of the spontaneity in his line, and, it, and you're right. I think it becomes very, um, al- almost so clinical that 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 the life is lost in some of it. And and it's not a slight against the the drawing style. Oh, no, it's, it, it's just that everything is in the right place, and the lines are so perfect, and just just the accoutrements like the panel borders that he likes to do like i i bought the entire ring uh yeah sock, ditto saga it, it's, it's beautiful but it's um a bit impenetrable for me because of the artwork right and if you i think they were very smart to to release the the ring stuff as um individual mini series because if you attempted to read that in mass, it, I, I think it would be a daunting task just because it's so perfect. Yeah, I mean, did um, you ever read his Coraline um, adaptation? That mm-hmm. that really works for me because it is odd. You know, the the, the sort of over perfection in the line makes it scarier. Right, but I, yeah. you know, it it just doesn't. It, I think it's that that you look at somebody like Ramon's work where it's bouncy. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's a real sort of, you know, you feel like the stuff's bouncing off the page, and that doesn't happen with that the work that P. Craig Russell does. That's in that style, I don't think. Yeah, and and it doesn't help that all of his, you know, male characters are akin to Michelangelo's David. I mean, they're yeah. they're they're they're, they're the, the 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 pinnacle of of the physical form and and the idealized male body types and it's they're so handsome and it's just i i i don't want to really sound like a a dumbass but i i do love elegant artwork it's just that after a while i have to pull away it's just too damn perfect and i am jealous of the man's ability that's mm. just yeah i mean i have to say i was thrilled to work with him when when i did on um all new invaders humble brag absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah. i would straight. too buddy yeah <laughs> So, yeah, so and getting the chance to redesign Kill Raven's costume, that was like a, a big... I was pretty stoked because we talked day. about that at uh, New York. You, you, yes. You thought you were going to be doing that, and then so I was pretty giddy to see the issue and say, oh, look at that. I knew this was happening. <laughs> we, we know him. <laughs> <laughs> so this, um, Tony, this Slane, uh, I, there's a lot of Slane books uh, yeah, available. Yeah, there's a lot. It gets so a bit which one were you referring to? Like it's which the one? Britannia Chronicles, book one. Thank you, sir. It's, if you put Pat Mills and Simon Davis in, it yeah, I just here it is. Here, I thought this was the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. While you're buying stuff, yeah. why don't you get get some ABC Warriors too? Yeah, you know? do that. Yeah, yeah de- definitely those first two books. Yeah, they've recolored them as well recently, and they look lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really great. 
Yeah. And, and the Clint Langley stuff is just unbelievable. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I would love to be behind his shoulder as he's working just to see how he, he creates those images. Yeah. Yeah, he's done some covers for Tomorrow's like Day as well, and they're scary good. Yeah. I'm ordering mm-hmm. both of these books from uh, a UK seller called Books Etc. So there you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a chain of bookstores, that. Yeah. There you go. Like yeah, the that. other thing I picked up this week was the uh, Mr. Miracle Artist Edition. Oh, and, and you need to own that. The only thing he says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only I hadn't been to the shop for a couple of weeks, so it was it was the week of the wallet hurting. Mm. Now, um, I don't know the contents of that edition. Are they sequential, or do they pick and choose? They, 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 they pick, pick and choose. I think they start with parts of two, move on to four, um, and there, there, there are a fight. They have included a fair amount of pages that they don't have originals for. But you know, it's just it's it's still like owning the artwork. <laughs> right. And you, you've also got his pitch document in the back that he did for <gasps> it as well. So. Uh, you know, like, did you get the new gods one? I did not. Um, that <laughs> had some beautiful fold-outs in the back. You know, the, the big colour pieces he did of Light Ray? Um, mm-hmm. They've got the Mr. Miracle one in the back of that as well, and lots of covers. I mean, it, it, I love those books. Yeah. Now, but, IDW posited it at the time of uh, near... It says collects seven nearly complete Mr. Miracle stories. Yeah. Issues two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So, yeah, right. I think they've put four in as well, cool. because because what happens is they solicit these things and mm-hmm. somebody comes forward. Stuff, right? yeah. yeah, but I mean it's it's a, it's a must have. I also picked up the uh, Red Sonia Volume Two as well with Frank Thorne's oh. stuff, and that's just beautiful. I mean, I love that man's work. Yes. You know, he's another guy that we uh we probably like. That's another guy we should file away for someone to do like a creator spotlight on because I yeah, think Florin doesn't get his uh his, no, his just he deserves. No, he, he's he's but a we character. We haven't talked about too. him much, really. In I mean, in the grand scheme of things, uh, uh, I think you know because he did Gita soon after he did um, Red Sonia, he gets unfairly labelled uh, as as um sort of just porno uh, as a pornographer, really. He does it well, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no, I, I, yeah, absolutely. But I, th- I think his Red Sonja um, run gets dismissed in favour of, of, like, say, Gail Simone's and is, is wrongly written off as being sexist. You know, it, if you read it again, it's it's not at all. I like the way Lamming calls it a must-have, since he owns them all anyway. I think he's made a house. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm making I'm making an extension to the house with them. Yeah. Well, well there is a, a sexist edge to the stuff that Thorne decided to do post um, Sonia, because I mean, even the stuff he was doing for National Lampoon at the time, they they exploited the fact that he draws really beautiful women. Yeah. Uh, what was the one character, um, Moonshine McJugs? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I, I believe. Yeah, and I mean, I, 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 I've even as a, as a kid with my first exposure to the, you know, the the uh, the magazines and stuff, I I immediately equated him as, as the guy that drew drew really hot women. So you know, you just take it with you. And um, are you guys familiar with the uh, the old convention photographs of him dressed as the That's wizard? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the yeah. thing you do with Wendy oh. Pinney and uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. By, by the, the way, um, total coincidence. But uh, 
a British art house called Illustration Houses happens to be doing the first ever exhibition and sale of Frank Thorne original art right now. It's going on this month. And the first one on the list I just looked was the uh, cover to Red Sonia number one. Wow. Anyone want to take a guess as to how much it's going for? Twelve grand. Okay, that's your guess. Anyone else want to throw one out? I was going to go higher. Should I go higher? I can't tell you that. Damn. <laughs> Make your guess, Dad. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go sixteen, seventeen thousand. Okay. It's always more expensive in England as well. Do you know what I mean? We pay much more for our comics over here. I'm going forty. You've got, you've got it lucky. You have 40. Four, okay, forty, Tony. You want to get in here? <sighs> no, I, I, oh, I don't know. I'll go a bit lower. I'll say. Let's say 30. I'll go 30. Do I win it if I get it right? Or... Uh, Jap <laughs> takes it 45,000. Oh. oh, wow. Yes. I was, I was actually, I was going to go higher than that, but okay. Now, by contrast, they also have the cover to Gita, uh, uh, Sword of Arrows, and that is 4,500. So much, much, much different delta. I mean, a big delta there, but still. Are there any, uh, pieces from Ribbit? <laughs> I'll look. You guys, I'll look. I'm just, there's a lot of pieces here. I'm just, uh, I posted a page on Twitter a couple of days ago from a sorcery magazine, a Red Circle book. Um, and it got loads of retweets. Gorgeous page. Amazing. Oh, that stuff was yeah. beautiful. I, I, I was yeah. jealous. <laughs> yeah. No, that was 40p at London Super Comic Con. Yeah. 40 <laughs> pence. Yeah. Amazing. Those are great books. Um, yeah. uh, sorcery, um, lots of Grey Morrow artwork in yes, there. Yes, there is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he done some recreations of Frankenstein's monster and Dracula, and with text pieces uh, yeah. next to them. Yeah, really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I I worship those books. They're great stuff. Oh, they have the cover to the Complete Iron Devil. That's pretty sick. Wow. <laughs> it's mostly Red Sony interiors. Um, wow. I mean, I, I love those pages, but I bet they're well overpriced. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, wh- what did you? What was it, Vince? I'm sorry. I'm looking through what. Ribbit. I don't think so. I don't see any. I'm through the whole thing. So no, no, no ribbits. Uh, that was, uh, came out late in the game through Fanagraphics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so no. But he was the dirty guy. Love his oh, work. Yeah. Dirty old man. <laughs> uh, Beautiful. So what else, what else do we have here? Well. Did we, did we miss anything? Well, I, I mean, I haven't gotten to talk yet. Oh, do it. But I know you like, you probably were hoping I wouldn't talk. <laughs> What is this? I'm kidding. Relax. <laughs> who, who loves you more than Who's I do? You, Not baby. even your wife, dude. It's Not true, even your it's wife. True. It's like, yes. uh, it's like, uh, it's like Sammy Davis and, uh, and Dean from Cannibal Run. He's <laughs> Rosie Bleed. Uh, yeah. I want to shout out two image number ones. Ooh, go. This was a big week, I think, for image. Um, the, the one I want to, I want to spend a, 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 well, let me get the first one out of the way because I, I don't want to go too deep on this one, but I just do want to sing its praises. Uh, and that is, uh, Chrononauts number one, uh, by Mark Miller and, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy. Remember when he was just Sean Murphy? I miss those days. Now uh-huh. Sean uh, big time. Uh, but, um, that's probably the more, um, because of Miller's status in the, you know, I'm, I'm sure that book is well publicized and, 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 but I have to say it was a fucking kick ass first issue. Like <laughs> I read the issue and was hyped up. I was like, oh shit. Like it was, just a great, you know, I, look, I, I'm a Miller fan. I think Miller's really good at this. He, he made me excited for what he's about to tell me. I, I, I don't know where it's going to go, but the conceit is very simple. It's, he's not, Miller doesn't break new ground. It's just his way. He just, you know, I think he has an interesting way of 
of delving into tropes that are somewhat familiar. Uh, we're introduced to a good-looking guy that happens to be a scientist. He has invented a technology that lets um, drones essentially go back, uh, go through different periods of time, and um, and like in one of them, a drone. Uh, gets sent back in time. It actually takes video footage of a civil war battle, but the the problem is is that because it's breakthrough technology, the drone doesn't ever get back to modern times like the video footage does. But the drone ends up after it records, it bounces randomly into another part of time, so it ends up bouncing into like 1903. And so then in modern times, they go and they they know where it landed because they have, but they go and like find it, but it's like a hundred year old relic, right? Is this this thing is and they go back and find it and they keep. Uh, but but over the we get to the point where they've they've perfected the technology enough, much like the space program at some point, where they're ready to do a manned flight. And so of course we meet the heroic chrononaut, the the equivalent to the astronaut that's going to do this, and and uh, and he's a very dashing, almost um, uh, like a Johnny Storm. He's a good-looking blonde guy, womanizer, you know, uh, big smile, very gregarious. Um, and uh, as you might imagine, with time travel, the the flight does not go as planned, and so we're set up with this holy shit rescue mission where uh, the one guy goes after his buddy to try and save him because he's displaced out of time, and of course zaps into a point in time where shit is going down, and he's ill prepared to handle what's happening, uh, and that's the, kind of the setup for the issue and presumably the series. Um, you know, look, Murphy is another one of those guys in the business that I think deserves all the success he's gotten. He, he's, I think he's an amazing cartoonist. I think he's phenomenal. And I think he brought his A game in this issue, which is not to say he never, I would know that he never does bring his A game, but, but, but this was awesome. It was just a great first chapter to an amazing action movie. It just was, I can't wait for the next issue. Um, the, the, but the far more interesting book and the one I think we have a much more personal attachment to and one that we're rooting for more is Invisible Republic. Hell yes. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. With, yeah. So, so for those that don't know, Invisible Republic is, uh, is going to be a long form ongoing series, uh, written by the, uh, power couple and our good friends, uh, Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becco and uh, who are husband and wife for those that don't know. And if you don't shame on you, cause we've had them on the show before. Um, uh, drawn by Gabriel, uh, with colors by Jordan Boyd, uh, who they... He's also doing Planet Hulk. Oh, is he? Yeah, oh, I was going to say, because he's also doing, um, he also helps color, um, uh, God Hates Astronauts with Ryan. When Ryan, he's, he's Ryan right, with that yeah. Book. Yeah. Um, so, so what's cool about that, there's a couple things that are really worth noting about this book. First of all, it's 2015 and it's coming out from Image and it's going to be, a, again, if the sales permit and they keep they keep it up there. It's going to be, a, my understanding, they have a, it's a long, going to be a long story. An epic story is from their own words. But what's neat about this is we know as, the, as their friends that this is a book they have been working on since 2009. They did a graphic novel together called Heathen Town, which was really when Gabriel was getting back into the comics game. And then he ended up spending a bunch of years doing stuff at Marvel. And then, you know, again, they've been doing the, the, the stuff more recently, like, like, uh, Planet of the Apes and Star Wars Legacy. And then, Gabriel did Kinski over this past year, but, but they did Heathen Town and then that was written by Karina, drawn by Gabriel. And then they were going to do this book, Invisible Republic, but the market, you know, it seems like only six years ago, but as we all know, six years ago, the market for creator owned books was not what it is today. And it just, the timing wasn't right. And they ended up getting busy doing other stuff that was more financially viable. 
and but their desire to do this project. This is their project. This is their passion project. So it's awesome that six years later they're able to do it, right? That the market is healthy enough that their careers are at a point where they can do this. And so I'm so excited because they've always done great work. So the idea that this is the book they've most wanted to do makes me elated. Um, another cool thing about it is that Gabriel actually drew the entire first issue of Invisible Republic to use as a pitch to get the book published elsewhere years ago uh, in black and white. As, as we all know, Gabriel works in black and white. He usually just uh, does his own stuff. And, and his own creator and stuff is black and white. Um, but because of the relationship they've built with Jordan in recent years, they completely redrew, Gabriel completely redrew the first issue with so that Jordan could color it. And um, if you look on the web, if you Google this, uh, Gabriel has shown on a couple sites uh, actual pages from the original issue with the new issue and, and actually walks you through the process of what's different and uh and some of the pages are strikingly similar and others are very different but it's fascinating to see his approach to the way he's going to tell the story um has changed so what's it about it's essentially at its heart um it's it's a it's a science fiction book by setting in that it's it takes place in 2843 um in a far-flung planet where uh we are uh i have no idea what the timeline is here but at some point a a, 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 a a galactic regime called the Mallory regime has recently been deposed. And we're introduced to one of the main characters is a, uh, a, a, a journalist essentially named Kroger Bab. And he is on a planet as part, that's part of the system. And it's a very washed out, grungy, dingy sort of wasteland type of a planet. And he's trying to find a story with, he's trying to find an angle to tell a story essentially about, um, the consequences of these outer rim planets after the, after the dynasty has, has died. And essentially there's not much going on. I mean, this is, uh, um, Gabriel talked about his artistic influences and what he wanted to evoke with this story. And one of the things that struck me is he, he, he wanted this to feel like, uh, the Mobius Blueberry books. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just a, a setting that's almost, not not apocalyptic post apocalyptic but just just grimy and 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 almost broken and beaten up and old and 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 uh and ragged you know just 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 like uh like an industrial city would be like you know Pittsburgh after the steel boom ended that type of thing um so so that's how the book looks with this you know science fiction setting against it but the story really could have been set in any time frame it doesn't have to I wouldn't say this is a book about futuristic stuff, at least not in the first issue. It just happens to be set there. So Kroger Bab is really struggling with an angle for the story. Why do you think the name's funny? Uh, I know why he's named that. Well, okay, well, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to yeah. okay. <laughs> so 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 he finds uh, a a a basically a journal, an old journal um, that turns out to be written by a woman named Maya Reveron, and it turns out that Maya Reveron is uh, a cousin. Of the uh, of of the uh, the recently deposed dictator that ruled this empire, named Arthur, Arthur McBride, and so we th- this this issue jumps back and forth between the current period with Kroger and this in this world, as well as then it takes us back to Maya and Arthur's early days when Arthur was just a young revolutionary with Maya long before he becomes as we then find out the emperor and dictator of this universe. And, um, and, you know, it sets all this up and it's just brilliantly done. And again, much like what we were kind of saying with, with Ramon and Jeff, 
uh, uh, Karina and Gabriel do such a nice job of of, of shifting the, of the time shift, and they they, they change the fonts. Uh, they they you know they change the settings and the hues and the, and and the the weight of the lines, so it's very clear what which period you're looking at and the like. And uh, it's it's just wonderful stuff. And you know, Vince, you you mentioned it. I mean, one of the things I said on Twitter to to them today is I said this is going to be this feels to be like it's going to be what Camelot three thousand was meant to be, but never was. Um, mm-hmm. th- this is, uh, the, the, clearly there are strong underpinnings as part of this, um, that delve into Arthurian legend. Again, obvious things like Arthur McBride, but the, the, the main planet of this, of this dying empire is called Avalon. And, um, uh, Maya Reveron is in many ways, um, got journalistic reference to, uh, Morgan Le Fay. You know, th- there's, there's, there's a parallel there and, uh, and as you say, you've got the Kroger Babs. So you've got all of these different things. And there's other things in the book, too, that are both visually and, and textually uh, related to Arthurian legend. And so um, it's just very exciting. It's exciting stuff. The, the story on the surface layer, certainly I'm sure lots of people will read it. And uh, I saw one site compare it to Breaking Bad meets Blade Runner. And I don't know if that was like a, an elevator kind of cap, cap quote that, that Gabriel or Karina gave them or it's just their own thing. But so, so I think this story is going to be very enjoyable on a surface level, but I think there's a lot more there, there, you know, to it. I think just, this is going to be one of those multi-layered things where if you are into Arthurian legend or you want to put in the work or you under, really understand how much Gabriel and Karina appreciate certain genres of art and storytelling, there's just going to be a lot of layers to unpack. Each one's going to be enjoyable in its own right. So, Awesome mm-hmm. stuff. I just thought the first issue was 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 in its own right great. If I didn't know them, I would be praising this book. But the fact that this is their passion project just made. I haven't been this excited for a first issue on a personal level in a long time. Again, just because I really want to see this succeed on for them, and I think right. they they put their best foot forward with this first issue for sure. Uh, the real reason why I laughed when you said Kroger, Kroger Bab was because um, knowing. Mr. Um, Hardman's and, and Karina's love for the cinema. Kroger Babb was an exploitation film producer who, uh, Child Bride, One Too Many, uh, Halfway to Hell. So it not only has that layer of our Arthurian legend, he's also pulling from his love of the cinema too. Yeah. And, and, and there's right. And you're right to say that there's lots of other layers because I think the impetus for the story, if I remember correctly, and they may have said this when they were on the show talking about the book, what is about, it was about almost a year ago, maybe they were on the show. Mm-hmm. I think they, if I'm not mistaken, and they can correct me if, if I'm wrong here, I think the impetus for this book was an Irish, like, war ballad that they either read or knew, and, and it told the, sto- a couple, and there were a bunch of them that told these grand stories, and that was the impetus for this, the, the, this was, that was the, 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 um, the catalyst that became what is now this much bigger story. So just lots mm-hmm. of cool stuff going on. And we, you know, we know these guys, they love, they, they are, uh, you know, um, they're passionate about, about, uh, certain components of, of art and storytelling and literature. And, uh, it's nice for them to be able to pay homage to all those things in their own voice. So yeah, yeah, yeah super stuff. Would. And of course the art yeah. ridiculous and, and oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just phenomenal as, as always. And the, uh, uh I, 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 you mentioned Blade Runner. I was also getting, especially when, um, when Bad was, was reading the journal, I was getting a, uh, uh, it reminded me of, of Corbin's apartment from The Fifth Element. It's just, okay, j- j- okay. just the architecture and, and the way things are kind of laid out. Um, it is, it's, it's definitely Gabriel's artwork. It, it's, 
there's enough there that there's a lot to sink your teeth into and, and enough to, uh, and, and they tease just right so that, uh, they, they leave it, they end the issue right at a good point where, where now you need to know where, where it's going from here. This was Invisible Republic is, is up there. It's one of my most anticipated image books. It's up there with, um, Ellis and, and, uh, and Declan's upcoming new series. I mean, it, it, these are just things that I've been waiting for. That seems as though they've, uh, We've been waiting for months and months and, and, uh, and I, I'm so happy that, that this first issue of Invisible Republic finally is, is here and, and in our hands. And it is, it, it's amazing. Definitely recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't be saying this out loud, but I'm going to anyway. Um, I hold very few artists in higher esteem than, than Mr. Uh, Hardman. So, I mean, I know his, you know, I don't want to give his ego a stroke or anything, but, I absolutely will not read this digitally. I'm waiting for my copy to come. I, I have to read this on paper mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. like, like, like you guys, I've been anticipating this for a long, long time. And, um, I, I just, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's something else, man. So kudos to them. And again, it's great to see. And, uh, Look, uh, I, 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 look, we talk about image a lot and I think it's just because they fucking deserve it. I think, they, I, think it's they, true. They, I mean, I, look, and I, you know, yes, we do talk about first issues and, and stuff and, and sometimes series continue to grab us and don't, but I, I just think they're on a hell of a run right now in terms of creators delivering on these projects. You know, I, uh, I, I don't know. I just think it's been a bunch in a row now that I've just been really, really, uh, profoundly, inf- uh, it, impressed by uh the, the fir- at least the first salvo for these and, and and none more none none more so than this one right i think it's pretty safe to say that in the deluxe hardcover collection of uh the first whatever issues of invisible republic they will include the the black and white original first issue i, I i'm hoping i that would think would, so would awesome. yeah i mean yeah. he's got all the work absolutely yeah yeah mm-hmm. so there go you go gabriel it. and karina yes. go guys and jordan don't forget jordan and Jordan, well, I haven't seen it yet, so uh, he, he does a good job. <laughs> he does. He's yeah. a good chap. We met him at uh, Heroes. He was sitting next yep. to Gabe and Karina, and uh, a good guy. Yeah, I'm picking mine cool. up tomorrow. Yeah, I'm good at yet. So. Nice. Well, hopefully, I didn't yeah. ruin too much of it then. I didn't, I no, didn't no, no, no. Oh, so hey, you set it up, dude. Good. All right. Look, should we look at the clock on the wall? It, it is uh, um, three thirteen in the morning. Yes. <laughs> it is as well. That's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. So, um. You guys would just be leaving the pub on normal nights. Yeah. Yeah. I, I seem to remember us leaving the pub quite a long time after you guys last time we went for a drink. That's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> we were, I, I did That's after we destroyed yeah. all Americans though at that point. <laughs> yeah. Don't put that gauntlet down. You know, we're like, I was rubbish. listening to yeah. an interview with, uh, with, with Declan the other day and, uh, he was saying he realized he was like uh, he. I forget what con it was. It was a, it was a U.S. con a, a couple of months ago, and he said he was. It was like four in the morning, and he was looking around. It was like himself and uh, 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 Will Sliney and like one other like uh, like, yeah. like uh, European guy, and they were like, "We are fucking living the stereotype right now." Like we like what is the matter yeah. with us? Like you know they had to be up at Artist Alley at like nine a.m. and he was like that was just. He's like, it's just, uh, I, I kind of stop living the stereotype, you know. Yeah. After we, after we had a drink with you, um, Brian gave up with Bob, Bobby is <laughs> and, and Brian, Brian just sent us loads of pictures of Bobby trying to get the key in the lock at the 
where they were staying. It just like one funny. after the other. He just couldn't manage it, you know. So. That is funny. <laughs> yeah, he actually reached out. I, I, I don't think did, – did he know? I, I guess I assume it was coincidence. He actually uh, he actually reached out to me uh, yesterday because uh, I, I guess he's got the jam piece bug and he – wants oh, to cool. um he, he wants to he asked for my help with uh, how to contact some creators in in advance of c2e2 and who's that uh, brian yeah yeah and yeah, he's, uh, he's a chicago guy i think yeah yeah so uh so i i, I told him i'll see what i can do if I, you know i can help yeah, him he's a super nice guy really really great guy yeah. yeah he's he's definitely one of the good guys gotta watch that's a pretty nasty bug to get bitten by yeah it's a great bug well hey listen uh mcdade is retiring so there's going to be a lot of open spaces in Artist Alley ready to be filled, so we need somebody to pick up the slack. Wow. You guys. Uh, as usual, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by Who? Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, and get them shipped right to your door, such as from Oni, The Auteur, Sister Bambi, number one, $1.99, The Shadow, Year One, Omnibus, $14.99, a bargain. And from Valiant, The Valiant for $4.99. They do my, they do not <clears throat> mind late orders or order editions. And, uh, we use them because they are basically the best in the business and we, we only go with the best. So you shoot too. Mm-hmm. In, in your travels, I have absolutely nothing prepared. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little assignment. Read something that was published no less than 20 years ago. How about that? It's lame. I'm sorry, but that's what I want you to do. That's fine. There's a whole mess of good stuff back there. And and read something that was never collected. It's hard to do. Master Kung Fu. Read Master Kung you Fu. Could, oh, just, yeah. Read the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> Especially that man thing, um, one, number 19. That's genius. Oh, I love, I have like three copies of that in various conditions. Uh, one, the original that I bought as a kid, I read to death. So not looking too good these days. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the first comics I was, I was ever bought. So that, that, that's why it's a, a real, um, favorite of mine. Someone should do a, uh, annotation on just how many series the man thing crossed over into. Mm. I bet you it would be surprising. Um, not a whole lot of actual man thing issues, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, but crossovers that he's appeared in a ton of books. I mean, if you just do the Marvel team ups and the, you know, Kazar and, and there's a, a, a must be at least a hundred. Yeah, easily. Let's get on that. We'll do it. <laughs> so yeah, do that in your travels. Oh, Next. Well, um, this isn't quite 20 years old. So, um, is it? No, I don't think it is. I, I, I'm, it's too late for maths. Uh, it, it, I am going to say in, um, in, in anticipation for Daredevil on Netflix on April 10th, read Frank Miller, John Romita Jr., Al Williamson's Daredevil, The Man Without Fear. It is only five issues. It is, Available, I think, as a, as a premier hardcover. You can get the issues. It's available in Comixology. This is obtainable. It's very easy to get. Read it. Um, I will be talking about it next week. Uh, I uh, I reread it recently, and and I didn't want to um, 
go into it in, into heavy detail tonight with with our guests. So it is my new travels for tonight. We will talk about it next week. So that is uh, it, it. That's from a bunch of years ago. So read something old, and for Vince, read something older. Since we're going uh, a little off off kilter with our in your travels, I'll, I'll I'll do a little something different too. In your travels, uh, consider supporting artists by buying some art from them. Uh, and there's lots of ways to do it. Uh, you know, Mark could uh, tell you firsthand. I mean, if you're going to a con or uh, if you just you'd be surprised at how many artists these days are very good, whether it be on their own social media or on their blog telling you about pre-orders or the way to get in contact with them but uh for a lot of these guys it's uh not only something that they do but they count on it at the con to help pay for their very expensive travel and lodging and to try and pull the money in their pockets so it's a win-win uh also consider buying art most of them have dealers or sell directly you can uh if you go to our forums 11oclockcomics.com and there is a sticky thread with uh if not completely comprehensive, just about all the major places in the North America that you can buy original art from are listed there and who they rep. Um, you can uh, certainly go to places like Comic Art Fans or ComicArtShop.com, which are essentially clearing houses for all the OA dealers and people reselling. Uh, go to places like Comic Link that do auctions every month with original art. But uh, give it a try, man. And uh, I know some people get daunted by cost, but... I think the first piece of original art I ever bought was like thirty dollars, um, and there there's always stuff to be had from tens of dollars to obviously yes we were just talking with Frank Thorne, you know if you're a, if you're a super baller out there listening yes you can spend tens of thousands if you want but but everywhere in between so don't let price be the impediment to buying and experiencing the greatness of original art. Amen. Yeah. Can I do it in your travel? Is that okay? That's wonderful. Oh, yes, we're waiting patiently. Brilliant. <laughs> the um firstly if we don't mention um alex and matt who are our two pals from comic uh we meet up every week they'll kill us so if i can if you don't mind to say like yeah, no don't mention them don't mention them. <laughs> <laughs> i'll edit that out <laughs> no no do mention yeah. them but do mention that we're not mentioning them <laughs> <laughs> um but if you're in your travels, um, there's a there's a company in England called No Brow Press. I'm quite friendly with them. Sure. Um, um, they they brought out a French translation of a book called The Spectator um, by a guy called Victor Husineau, um a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's basically a story of a, um, a it's a very trippy story of a French guy and his nighttime and daytime wanderings through Paris and Paris sort of morphs around him. Um, there's a review on Down the Tubes of it um, where I just go on about it forever. Um, and it's, it's one of the most beautiful books I've read for a long time. It's a lovely sort of hard, hard cover. It's got a little mirrored panel in the in the cover so you mm. see yourself in the book. And it's just this incredibly beautiful thing. Um, Mark and I were looking at it just before we began um, calling you guys. But, um, yeah, if you yeah, go to Nobel, it's a, it's a Nobel thing Press. Of Incredible book, yeah. No brow press, and um, it's quite cheap. It's, it's not an expensive. They did uh, Moonhead the Music Machine, which uh, they did. Yes, of, and forming, right? They did forming yep. as well. So yeah, good, great, yeah, great the, publisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did uh, Lost Property by Andy Poyagi recently. Um, I'm trying to get Mike Medaglia to work with them, but yeah, they're a really interesting company. Really sort of stretching the ideas, and the best thing about them is when I went to sit down with them and they gave me some stuff to review. They referred to it all as comics. They didn't refer to it as graphic novels, and I said that's the most refreshing thing <laughs> I've heard for a long time, you know. But yeah, yeah, The Spectator by Victor Houston. Oh, yeah, really, really great. Cool. Yeah, um, for, yeah, for mine, um, for the last year and a bit, 
one of the best things I've, I've been reading has been Ed Brisson and um, Johnny Christmas's Sheltered. That's just finished. And it's it just finished up, right? Of, issue 15, right? Yeah, and it's a tour de force. Do yourself a favour, pick up those trades, um, pick up the singles. It's brilliant. Just great storytelling. Um, and Johnny just gets better every issue on the, the art. It's amazing stuff. Cool. Now, do not forget, gentlemen, where can interested parties find both of you on the internets? Oh, um, I can never remember what my, my blog is, but if you just do a search for Mark Laming, <laughs> it will, it will come up. Um, and it's monkey underscore underscore Mark on Twitter. I don't do the Facebooks. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't either. No, yeah. no, not at all. No, <laughs> no, you guys don't do Facebook. <laughs> And t- Tony, doing? where can they find you? Yeah, I, um, I sort of I'm a regular contributor to DownTheTubes.net, which is a sort of English um, review event sort of website run by John Freeman. It's, re- it's a really fun place to be, and you can find me on Twitter as oh yes, which is um, at e z o h y e z. I'm on Facebook. But I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're dumping on the Facebooks. That's okay. Oh, Jim, this was a heck of a lot of fun. Thank no, you so brilliant. much for oh, being here. Yeah, excellent. We'll, we'll come yeah. back anytime. It's been great fun. And you what guys are you doing next come week? to England. Come to England. Come to a con. <laughs> Definitely do it. Oh, so, and well, speaking of cons, I mean, uh, when, when will we see either of you gentlemen this year, if at all? You'll see us in October. In yeah. New York. Okay, great. All right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not miss. Yeah. We'll, d- We'll do a better standing at the bar after hours. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, you know we've we've committed to uh, we're gonna we're gonna put our old man pants uh, off, take them off, and put our young man. pants. We're gonna stay over in the city probably uh, Saturday night so we right. can uh, do it upright. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. awesome, yeah, excellent, amazing. We give Vince well, for once. <laughs> that's not hard to do. <laughs> I'm giddy. I'm anticipating it. Like it's Christmas. I love you guys. Th- thank you so much for being here. Um, as usual, you can find the, the next one of these, the same place you found this one. Uh, come back, please. Uh, don't make me say it, because he's just going to get all salty. D- David loves you, so come back. Mm-hmm. Say goodnight, David. Goodnight, David. It's uncanny how you do that. Peace. Peace. Peace.